Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sybil. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week, we're continuing the wedding series with a movie that begins with a wedding. We'll discuss the symbolic meaning of flowers and the phenomenon of sexual fluidity in women. And we'll talk about the concept of love at first sight as we discuss the 2005 film Imagine Me and You. Sybil. Hi, Jen. It's so good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Actually, I think it's only been like an episode or so since we've talked for a change. So that's really good. True that. True that. Usually it's like months and months. So I'm glad to be here. So are you enjoying spring so far? Um, Let's see. Spring in Las Vegas is there's like a three or four week period where it's really pretty. There's only two times a year it's really pretty here, in my opinion. And yesterday it started to get to the 99 degrees mark. Oof. So it's less spring here, but there, like my tree outside is blooming and um, I have some of like morning glories that are blooming. And so that's, that's nice. We just got done with like lilac bush season here and I was like way into that. So yeah, that's another thing that's like here and gone, but like we are not in the nineties here yet in Madison. So that's good. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not looking forward to that. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So as you may have noticed, we've been talking a little bit about some flowers just now. And that's because this movie that we're doing this week involves a floral shop owner who is a prominent part of the movie. So I just wanted to start our podcast today by just like talking about like, what are some of our favorite flowers? And like, I I don't even know if you have a favorite flower, honestly, or if they're important to you. I I don't in general. Um, I find flowers this, like, I like to look at them and I think they're very beautiful. And if they smell nice, that's good. But like cut flowers, such a waste of money and time. Okay. You're coming (laughs) right out the gate with a strong opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, you could talk about like wildflowers that you like too. Um, I love California poppies. Those are like the orange ones, right? Yeah, yeah. They're and they're like a very silky leaf and they're gorgeous. They're just so pretty. And in California, where I grew up, they actually they bloom all over the hills and it turns the entire mountain like orange. Yeah, I've actually heard of people going to do like poppy viewing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a few different f- colors of them. I mean, California poppies are gold are gold and orange, but you know, you have red poppies, right? Like follow yeah. the Olympic Road and they're purple and white ones as well. Your red poppies are actually one of my favorite flowers. So yeah, I really, yeah, the more lush looking, the better. Um, Do you have any flowers that you like for like their cut purposes or like their smell or something like that? I mean, roses are fine. But in general, when I get flowers, I'm just sad that somebody put money into something that's going to be dead within two or three days. So what should people get you instead? Um, I'm I'm all about fruit baskets. Okay. Okay. I I love the fruit fruit options that's my favorite thing chocolate is always good as well all right guys you heard it here so if you want to send Sybil a gift this is what you send Sybil (laughs) although we're not really going to give away her address on this podcast so you're just going to have to find her and stalk (laughs) her some other way you can absolutely stalk me some other way I do have a business website and I do have a PO box (laughs) on there (laughs) yeah as to me um I do like a bouquet sometimes but um I'm just as happy like you said with like something that's edible too like 
I, yeah, it does sometimes feel like it can be a lot of money to buy somebody a bouquet of flowers. And actually with a cat, like my cat yeah. just tries to eat the flowers. So like, there's like only like one place in the entire house I can put a bouquet and it's not really in a well-trafficked area. I agree. But, but I do appreciate the gesture and like my favorites, like I said, poppies, I really like, I really like um, purple roses because they smell really good. Like Lee and I used to live in Portland and they've got the international rose test garden. So we would smell all the different kinds of roses. And my favorite were always like the kind of like peach colored ones and like mm-hmm. the lavender colored ones. They always had like to me the best scent of all the roses. I didn't know that about Portland. Um, is there a certain time of year that they bloom? Um, around June, maybe. I think either like sometime in June, maybe even into July. And okay. it's right near the Japanese garden. So it's not really in the center of town. It's kind of like in Northwest kind of out there a little ways, but it's really worth visiting. Like the Japanese garden, you have to pay, but the Rose garden is free to wander around. When it comes to like seeing a wedding, do you think like flowers are like an important part of a wedding? Like like I try to think of a wedding without flowers and it's really hard actually to think of. I mean, it's just so part of the aesthetic of a wedding, whether it's just like little daisies or you've gone all out with these big bouquets but I do feel that weddings are enhanced by the like beauty of the flowers. Yeah, I think so too. It's something symbolic about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had um, my first wedding. I have no idea what, I, what flowers I had anymore. Um, I don't remember it at all, to be honest. It wasn't a part of my important decisions, but my second wedding was very like hippie and like kind of we eloped more or less. And mm-hmm. like that one, Lee picked me a bouquet of like just wildflowers and some weeds even, I think too, but you know, with pretty flowers on them. And I carried that. It was like Queen Anne's lace, maybe like sweet pea and like some orange thing that I don't even know what it is. Yeah. And we hiked out to a waterfall and got married there. So see, that was- sounds much more my speed. Like if you're going to go get flowers, like just pick them out of a yard and go to town. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really nice. And Queen Anne's lace is actually another of my favorites, even though it doesn't smell. I just really, yeah, I just really like the way it looks like the intricacy Mm -hmm. of it and so forth. So absolutely. It's absolutely beautiful. All right. Any more thoughts on flowers or should we move on? I mean, I live in the desert and in May we have um, blooming of all the cacti. And if you've never seen the cactus bloom flowers, that's pretty incredible. Um, One of my favorite places to go is they have a cactus garden at Ethel M's, the chocolate factory here, which is they actually created the M&M. So I know M&M stands by itself, but it actually started Ethel M's chocolate factory. And if you go out there, they have during Christmas, they light it up with Christmas lights. But if you go out in May, you can just see a full bloom of cacti, like with all these beautiful, beautiful exotic flowers on them. Wow. That is really awesome. Yeah, it's something not many people talk about, but it's gorgeous. Well, that sounds worth visiting, too. So we've given you like several flower destinations in this introduction, people. So, yeah, (laughs) that is true. So we're going to we're going to talk about flowers a little more later in the episode today. Um, But before we get started with the episode, just a reminder, as usual on the show, we'll have a spoiler free section at the beginning of the episode and we'll let you know when the spoiler section begins. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram handle is at Every Romcom. And our Twitter handle is at Every Romcom Pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. 
And now we're going to listen to the trailer for Imagine Me and You. I see what you've got. Stability and the trust. Permanence. And I think, God, I'm glad I'm not you. I've loved Rachel since the day we met. Imagine me and you. You're gorgeous. Want to uh, fool around? Saved by the bell. But you're in a lot of trouble later. So happy your problem is you won't commit to one person. But there's some gorgeous women around. Yes, there are. I'm trying to sleep with as many as I can. So, how about you? Married? We've been married. We're going to be married. I'm gay. Mmm. <laughs> cool. Well done. Shag me. If I'm wrong, but I think you want to kiss me. It's not going to happen. It's not. I'm a cure for lesbianism. Do you guys believe in love at first sight? That you could meet someone across a room and with that one glance you could look in their eyes and see their soul? No. Absolutely not. Everyone promises you happily ever after. But life turns into a different kind of fairy tale. Are you in love with someone else? Who is the lucky chap? It's such an awkward trailer. Why do you yeah. find it awkward? It's just awkward to listen to because there's like a bunch of like dead moments. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's more of a trailer you would watch for sure. Although mm-hmm. even watching it, I don't find it to be the most compelling trailer. No, it really wasn't. I don't think the trailer, I don't think the trailer really sold the movie very well. So whoever was doing the cutting on that, like clearly like had no idea what the point of the film was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, trailer's. Honestly, like in terms of the movies we've done on the show, there have been very few where I'm like, that trailer was awesome. Yes, it totally works. Rom-coms, I think, are particularly hard to make trailers for. And I think it's because you either give the entire movie away, right? Or Mm -hmm. you're trying to just explain like the relationships of people. And can you actually do that in like just like imaging, like small taglines? Yeah, that's true. Maybe it is a hazard of the genre. Okay, so some information about Imagine Me and You. It came out in 2005. It was written and directed by Ole Parker, and it stars Piper Parabo, Lena Headey, who you might also think is Lena Headey. Um, Basically, she is Cersei from Game of Thrones, and I had to look up the proper pronunciation of her name. A lot of times it's um, said wrong, apparently. And also Mm. Matthew Good. Easy. That one's easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The basic premise is that Rachel and Heck, those are two main characters, they have been friends. They've been best friends for forever and kind of they moved in from friendship to dating and now they're getting married. And at the wedding, Rachel sees kind of like while she's walking down the aisle, she sees Luce, who is the florist for the wedding. And they kind of have like an instantaneous like bond. Like, you know, if you've ever met a person where you just like, you feel like you know them, that kind of happens. But she's getting married. So she gets married and the marriage kind of goes along. But within the very first part of the marriage, you know, she's kind of staying friends with Luce. She like meets her and is like, we should come over for dinner, etc. And while she's at that dinner, she finds out that Luce is actually a lesbian. And I that kind of like opens the doorway for her to start thinking about what it might be like to be with somebody who she does have a connection with. And she kind of has to decide who she is and whether she wants to kind of break the heart of the person that who's been her best friend for her life and kind of go outside of her comfort zone and, you know, be more fluid in her relationship. So 
I wasn't actually able to find as many facts about this movie as I am with many movies, but I'll tell you what I found out. Ole Parker wrote the movie inspired by his experience meeting his own wife, actress Tendiwe Newton, who you may also know as Tandy Newton because she also is an actress whose name was mispronounced for a long time. Um, they met in 1997 and apparently they had like that kind of instantaneous, you know, attraction. And the movie was originally titled Click and he wrote the part in the movie for Newton, but then she got pregnant. And so the role went to Lena Headey. Headey had previously appeared in a movie that Parker had written called Loved Up. And she had also previously acted alongside Piper Perabo in The Cave. Imagine me and you had a relatively low budget of $7.9 million, but it did not do well at the box office. It made only a little over $3 million worldwide. So it didn't really, you know, recoup its uh, budget. So what do you think of this film? So I... So when I when you told first asked me to do this, I was like, oh, I really remember loving this film, and then I wa- which I did, and then I watched it again. And I was like, wow, I don't think it holds up that well, and it's kind of boring in places, and also I kind of didn't believe their relationship. Yeah, yeah, I, I second that part very much. Like the funny thing is, like I remember, like. I don't know. At some point I was talking about certain types of films and you were like, oh, you should do Imagine Me and You. And so I thought that you were like a fan of this film, which I guess you did say you liked it. Yeah, no, like- I, and I did. I, rem- I remember really liking this. And I, okay, okay. In, in college and stuff, um, I loved, I liked all the people who were like kind of in it because I knew I followed them in Britain. Um, okay. And then later in life, I kind of like remember watching this and being like, this was such a good romantic comedy and it's so different. But I looked around in 2014, a bunch of this type of movie came out. Um, For whatever reason, 2014 is like the like friends coming out of the closet, meeting other people kind of, I think movie genre time or something. It was like in the zeitgeist. So this feels like less um, compelling. Yeah, I just think it hasn't aged super well because I think the acting is still really good and the writing is fine, but I just feel that it, it should be much more slick and put together. And there was no chemistry between our, yeah. our, two, our two females. And I was like, wow, did I realize that at the time? Or was I just not smart? I just, I don't need it to be like slick. Like I don't, I actually like sometimes prefer movies that are like a little less slick, but like I didn't feel the chemistry. Um, yeah. I really, I think for me, it's mostly Piper Parabo. She like something about her bothers me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And she's always like the whole movie. She just seems like she's making a sad, confused face like the entire yes, time. And I'm just like, true. there should be moments where you're not making a sad, confused face. <laughs> and also, like, I just didn't believe she liked women. Not one second did I believe that she liked. She was like passionate about what was going on. And for her to yeah. leave essentially a relationship that she's in from, yeah. from her best friend that she loves, she has to have such a deep emotional feeling. Yeah, yeah. That, and Lena, I, she just didn't sell it. Yeah, and Lena Headey, despite the fact that like the entire first time I was watching this movie, I just had to get over my aversion to her because of Cersei and Game of Thrones. Like, I really hated Cersei, okay? I really, cause, mm. partly because I was a Jamie Brienne shipper, okay? But like, partly just because of all the bad things she does. But like, I really can't stand that character. And so I'm just like, having, I after the first time, I think I got over seeing Lena Headey as Cersei. And so I was able to appreciate her in this movie. And and so I was like, then I started to, I appreciated what Lena Headey was bringing. I felt like mm-hmm. I believed her a little more, even though her character is given very little to do. Nothing. Really. Yes. It's like, like, 
I, I read this article, I think it was an auto straddle, which is kind of a lesbian um, online magazine. And it was basically saying her tra- character traits is she is gay and she owns a flower shop. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like, Yeah, that was, that's pretty much it. Like she's, she really isn't, she does a lot. I, and so I've loved Lena Headey since the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is one okay, of my favorite yeah. TV shows. And I feel that she was given very little to do in this, but she made the most absolutely out of it. Yeah. Like I, I believed her, like I believe that she mm-hmm. could be somebody who's in love with women and like, like, yeah, I believe that she could own a flower shop, even though we'll talk later about like some of the weird aspects of this flower shop, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like who knows what hours it is. Yeah. But I thought that if anybody was selling it, she was at least selling the idea that she was intrigued by this chick. Like she sold that more than Parabotage. I was just like, why? Yeah. Yeah. And then Matthew Good, like I like him in pretty much everything. They gave him such a bad haircut in this. It was it's like so it would be more like believable that like Piper Parabo is leaving him. I don't know. Like, do you, like his if she's haircut. not into like if she's not into Dick right now, then that's fine. She could leave him for whatever reason. He'd be the hottest guy ever. It makes a difference. I, I know, but it's like, but like you said, she wasn't really selling it, right? Piper Parable really wasn't, wasn't really selling it. And so they're like, well, this guy's really hot. So how are we going to make it believable that this girl who's not selling it is leaving him? We have to give him like the worst haircut ever. You know what I mean? It's, it's true. Know. It's it's true. It's true. <laughs> anyway, that's just my comment. Matthew Good can be really hot in this movie. Not so much. Well, he yeah. can be very, very attractive. It's true. Though he has gotten more attractive as he's aged. Like he's definitely leaned out and gotten way more attractive. All like right. Well, let's have gotten like his cheekbones have gotten like really intense. Let's go ahead and we'll talk about the casting crew like like <laughs> a little bit in depth, and we'll, we'll have more commentary about what worked and what didn't work in this movie later too. Yeah, as we go through. Okay, so the first casting crew we've got Ole Parker, who is the writer and director, and his first IMDb credit was the previously mentioned uh, TV movie Loved Up in 1995. Then he wrote a few other projects in the late 90s and early 2000s, but Imagine Me and You was his directorial debut and like kind of the first project out of those that I actually recognized. And then in 2011, he's probably most well-known at this point for writing the adapted screenplay for the best exotic Marigold hotel. And later he also wrote the screenplay for the second best exotic Marigold hotel. And yeah, I like the best exotic Marigold hotel. I thought that was a pretty good movie. The second one was second best in my opinion, (laughs) a very aptly named sequel. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Agree, disagree. Um, I actually have no memory of either of these movies because okay. they were so boring. Oh, I like the first one. Well, anyway, we, like I'm glad I didn't recommend that for my double feature. <laughs> well, other people might very well like it. People absolutely do love those films. They're just not for me. Yeah, yeah. Then in 2012, he wrote and directed the dramatic romance, Now is Good. In 2018, he co-wrote and directed Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which I actually, I have not seen that one yet. And he recently co-wrote the adapted screenplay for A Boy Called Christmas. And currently he is in post-production as writer and director on Ticket to Paradise, starring Julia Roberts and George Clooney, which sounds like it's kind of a rom-com. I'm not sure. It is absolutely rom-com and I cannot wait to see this. Nice, nice. So Piper Parabo uh, is she had a few roles prior to becoming famous, but her breakout role was playing the lead in Coyote Ugly in 2000. And if you haven't seen Coyote Ugly, please go see Coyote Ugly. Worth it. She also appeared in another movie with a lesbian storyline, Lost and Delirious in 2001, which Roger Ebert refers to in his review of Imagine Me and You as being a better movie. (laughs) 
Other movies before Imagine Me and You include Cheaper by the Dozen, Perfect Opposites, The Eye Inside, George and the Dragon, and The Cave. After Imagine Me and You, she appeared in projects including Cheaper by the Dozen 2, The Prestige, which is such a good film too, Because I Said So, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Looper, and Black Butterfly. In the 2010s, through today, she seems to have switched mainly to television, appearing in series including Covert Affairs, Notorious, Turn Up Charlie, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, The Big Leap, Yellowstone, and Billions. She's amazing in The Big Leap, by the way. That's one of my favorite TV shows that did not make it. It hit the cutting room floor very quick, but it is such a good show. All right. So then um, we will then move on to Lena Headey. And of course, she is now best known for her role as Cersei in Game of Thrones, which she was so good at that role that I had a really hard time distancing <laughs> myself from that when I was first watching this. But um, yeah, I think Lena Headey does a great job actually in these other movies too. She's a powerhouse. I mean, she's a really a good actress. Yeah. And she's in a surprising number of roles. Like I didn't realize how long her career was. She has like 92 different acting credits on IMDb. So it's like that's a lot more than some actresses have totally yeah and her first credit was for like waterland in 1992 she also had a small role in the remains of the day in 93 and some of her other work prior to imagine me and you includes the jungle book uh the 1994 version mrs dalloway from 1997 twice upon a yesterday which i totally watched for this episode it is a very strange romantic comedy i don't know if you've ever seen it i have not it also has two other titles. Like it's it's a movie with three titles: "Twice Upon a Yesterday," "If Only," and "The Man with the Rain in His Shoes." So now I'm intrigued. Now I'm intrigued. A, a movie that can't figure out what the hell it is. I'm on board for. And it's definitely kind of like a time travel kind of a movie. So maybe we'll cover it at some point. We'll That'd see. That'd be interesting. I would do that. And other movies um, before "Imagine Me and You" are "Gossip," "Possession," "Ripley's Game," "The Cave." And the Brothers Grimm. And apparently she had a grim time on the Brothers Grimm from what a the lot of people did. That was apparently a really hard shoot to be on. Then after Imagine Me and You, she had a small breakout role with 300. Then she appeared in The Broken, The Red Baron. She starred as, as you mentioned, Sarah Connor in the TV series Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. And then she began her work on Game of Thrones in 2011. And then in addition to doing Game of Thrones from 2011 on, she appeared in The Purge, 300 Rise of an Empire, Zipper. I guess she was Lady Catherine de Bourgh in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She rocks at that role, by the way. You can tell she's just having fun. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I will eventually see it. Yeah. Um, She was also in Fighting with My Family and Gunpowder Milkshake. And she's also done a lot of voice work, including Danger Mouse, Troll Hunter, Tales of Arcadia, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Masters of the Universe Revelation, and more. But I just love how she's basically collecting all the 80s revival animation shows. She is. (laughs) (laughs) And for 2022, she's appeared in a movie called Nine Bullets. And upcoming, she's in post-production for a miniseries called The White House Plumbers. And she's filming two TV series, New Gen and Beacon 23 and in pre-production on a thriller called Crooks. But more intriguingly to me, she has begun directing recently, Mm. and she's in pre-production to direct her first feature, which is going to be a thriller called Violet. So we'll see how she does as a director. 
Well, she has been working hard. I mean, look at look at that roster of stuff she's doing. So I'm excited to see if she is any good as a director. Yeah. We've previously covered Matthew Good in our Leap Year episode, which is episode nine. So for more information on him, please check that on out. Yeah, that was a fun episode. And we had a really <laughs> good time talking about uh, what the Irish people thought of Leap Year. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's begin this movie. And like, this is a wedding movie that begins with a wedding, which you don't Surprise. always see. Yeah. Surprise. It begins with a wedding. Okay. Yeah. And I think this, it's a beautiful wedding. I think it's like the kind of beautiful wedding you see at the end of like a successful rom-com with like a beautiful dress and flowers and like the outdoor tent and the reception. Well, I will also say that, you know, it. I felt that it does a really good job from just the writing position at the very beginning, where you learn so much about the characters so quickly because they're coming to the wedding or they're already there and they're prepping for the, like the bride to walk down. And you already kind of within like five minutes before the wedding actually starts, pretty much know the cast of characters and understand about the who they are. Yeah. Yeah. This whole beginning sequence, I think it's really well done to like lay mm -hmm. out. Yeah. What, and what's going to happen too. And like the basic situation. So yeah, it does a great job with that. And um, like during the wedding, like we're at the reception and we start having these toasts and we learn a little bit about them from the toasts too. We learned about the main couple, Hector, um, Heck for short and Rachel and we've learned they've been together for a long time through the best man Coop's speech. He says, yes. Yeah. He says like, anyway, <laughs> these guys are in love. And I think that that's boring. They've been like a married couple for so many years. It's a relief that they're finally married. <laughs> yeah. Coop is, Coop is probably my least favorite character and probably the most realistic character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I could probably agree with you on both, both counts there. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the older people I think are written kind of realistically. Well, maybe not them either. No. The, yeah. Never they're mind. Too, they're too fun and quirky. They're like too fun and yeah. quirky for like old married people. Yeah. Coop, Coop is definitely the asshole friend in this, in yeah. this situation. Yeah. And that's something we've all seen. And I think we can also relate though, to the idea of like people getting married who seem like they've been married for a long time. I've definitely met those couples. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, and then Rachel ends up giving a speech because heck is really shy about public speaking. And in the course of her speech, she says that it's said that the course of true love is often rough. And then she says, but Heck and I were mates and then lovers, and it's been smooth all the way. Maybe that's a better kind of fairy tale. So it's kind of setting up that this is not a couple that came together through like a kind of a wild passion or had to overcome a lot of adversity. They've just yeah. kind of like flown, like sort of flown in the same direction together. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like a comfort match. Yeah. Or, but I mean, like, I also think that there can be like a nice quiet love. So it's interesting well, of course. Like, with what happens later in this film. Like it's interesting kind of what happens to the speech in light of the rest of the film later, mm -hmm. which we will talk about later. <laughs> so let's see, what else do we want to say about these people? So we already introduced Coop, um, Rachel's parents. So Rachel has these parents that are like acrimonious towards each other. The, the dad is sort of implied to be a bit of a drunk, maybe. Or yeah, not a I drunk, think, but he drinks too I, I, much. I think he drinks too much. And then it makes him like 
it makes him like verbose. Like he gets like bigger. Oh, so like if you yeah. remember like the the wedding sequence when he like he goes to make a toast to everybody and the, his wife is like, oh my god, you've got to stop him because he's like too loud mm. and what he's going to say is going to be embarrassing. And like, like, even yeah. in the car, so when you first meet him, his very first intro to us is him speaking ill of tr- of like getting married and how he kind of didn't want to. Yeah. While yeah. they're on the way to the wedding. Yeah. He definitely says the wrong thing. And then, but then the wife is like so acidic to him, like just always yes. making evil, like kind of mean comments to him. So it's kind of like, uh, the, the parents that you don't necessarily want to be around that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we've got an introduction to this young girl who's maybe about 10, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 sort of area. And yeah. her real name is Henrietta, but like everybody calls her H and like her big thing is to say that like the reason she's called H is because of the phrase expression, Jesus H Christ, which her mom said when she was going to have her or something. <laughs> yeah. And isn't this like Rachel's sister? Yes. Like, yeah. Which like, I was like, that was not at all clear to me, like for a big part portion of the movie. And then I'm like, it must be her sister. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I I don't remember if I knew that or not when I first watched it, but now you know I've already seen it. So like for me, I was like, of course she's her sister. I totally get that. I just think it's like interesting that they chose to like give this character like a very the Rachel's mom, like this very late in life child. And like so there's this like sisters who are like with a I don't know how many years age difference, but it's gotta be yeah. at least like fifteen, eight years age difference, I would say. Yeah. At right. least. Anyway. Yeah, especially considering like the parents don't even like each other that much, apparently. But it, I always looked at this as like the character shows that, you know, her maybe, although you see this like, you know, vitriolic relationship, they actually, they actually love each other very deeply. Oh, yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you find that out. Yeah. Yeah. But H like becomes like really quickly friends with Luce, the wedding florist, who we are also introduced to, just because Luce answers a question for her that nobody else would answer. So H is kind of our precocious child character trope and she's also a point of connection for characters in the movie so mm-hmm. kind of why she's there i guess um I mean, yeah she, she could not be in this movie and this movie would run along just fine i guess you'd have to make up different ways for them to run into you'd each ta- other you would have them talk to their friends or something instead which they also have yeah but, you know it's if it's fine we can have a cute little kid it's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then about Luce, like Luce is the wedding florist. This is like kind of what we know about her. We also know at the beginning of the movie that she has a mother and both the mother and herself are always nagging each other to date, start dating someone. The mom wants her to get a girlfriend and she wants her mom to start seeing men again. They're both kind of like independent women kind of set in their ways, I guess. My, my big question here though, So I can understand why Luce is at the wedding, the ceremony, like helping with the flowers there. That maybe makes sense. But then she's at the reception. And I was like, that was weird. Yeah, I was looking at bridal etiquette sites and nowhere did it say that you just should automatically invite your florist to the reception. No, that doesn't happen. The the once once you've essentially once a florist is like, they don't even pin the boutonnieres on people mostly. They just drop crap off and they're like, see ya. Yeah. What what be ya? (laughs) What if I be whatever. Because I've done a million weddings. I've done I've done so many weddings as a makeup artist. Yeah. And we're there all the time. But florists, I've never seen a florist hanging out. 
Yeah, it's like, I'm not really sure what impression we're supposed to have about this. Like, is this like supposed to, because they're living in London too. It's not like some super small town where like everybody knows each other or something. Yeah, no, it's it was weird when I'm like, I'm like, does she, is she like a friend of the family? The first time I'm watching, I'm like, is she a friend of the family? No. Okay. So apparently she's just there to fluff the flowers, I guess. Yeah. And then I guess the little kid likes her and says, sit with me. So maybe she stays because of that. But like, yeah, that's, it's just very weird like <laughs> she just, like she has nowhere else to be and no other wedding flowers to deliver that day right and also like it's a dude who wrote the script and has no idea what happens before us <laughs> which is becomes clearer and clearer <laughs> oh man okay so let's see so then we're at the reception that loose is attending because reasons and um <laughs> yeah at the wedding ceremony like as we mentioned like rachel is like walking down the aisle and Luce is sort of like walking around the the outskirts of the wedding hall. I don't even know. How do you she's describe in like this? The, she's in the like the exterior. She's like in the side. They have like side pew areas for like mm-hmm. overflow. And so that's where she is. Yeah. And they she looks at Rachel and who she hasn't met yet. She I guess she'd been dealing with someone else for the flowers. And Rachel looks at her and their eyes meet. And there's like a moment and like. Which they played pretty well that moment. I yeah, guess. I think they did pretty good. Yeah. Another weird flower thing is so um, Rachel has her bouquet in the car, mm-hmm. but all the other flowers are at the church. Oh. So yeah, no, there was a like I said, I could go into detail about what's up with like the flowers in this movie. <laughs> well, you go ahead and put it in when you see it. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, they have this like little moment, this exchange of glances that's very significant. And then Luce stays at the reception and they share another moment. Um, Luce is going to get some punch from a punch bowl and Rachel is guarding it like, like, don't drink this. And the reason it turns out is that she has lost her ring in the punch bowl. Hello, symbolism. And also, <laughs> like, how do you even do that? Like, yeah, that is your is ring not question. sized to your finger? You literally had to throw it in there. I guess her ring couldn't have been sized. Like maybe Heck got it wrong or something. And and that they got married. No, nah, that's not likely. Like this is their like wedding ring. Forget it. You know, I was like, how was your ring in there? You just like tossing it in there, girl. It was necessary for the symbolism of the story, Sybil. <laughs> I guess because also she's like using a ladle for the punch and like how like so you're ladling and you're like, oh no, my ring has fallen into this weird punch, which might or might not be alcoholic. <laughs> In any event, this very unlikely um, situation causes um, Luce yeah, says so to Rachel, Rachel. Rachel gets all like sketchy. She's like, she's like, she's like standing in front of the punch every time somebody tries to come over. So Luce tries to come over to get punch. And she's like, no, you don't need punch. Don't worry about it. And she's like, what are you doing? What's going on? She's like, I've dropped my ring in there. And she's like, oh, so, you know, then Luce like, is like, I'll fish out your ring because yeah. clearly my lesbian hands are better than yours. <laughs> Because you can't even hold on to a freaking ring on your finger, girl. <laughs> and this results in them kind of like being back to back a little bit. Like they're kind of touching each other. And I think you're meant to notice that too, that they're in yes. physical contact. Yeah. And meanwhile, some like super sexist, gross, creepy guy is like sort of hitting on Rachel. I don't know. So yeah, so we have this wedding. The wedding's like over it actually it is dwelled on a little more than you might expect given what happens later in the plot like there's actual sequences of people dancing and so forth they also cover like you spin me right round which um reminds me of like recording for the wedding singer a couple weeks ago because it's a very prominent uh, song in that movie so and they do um disco d-i-s-c-o which is a huge like song in britain at that time 
Yeah, I didn't recognize that song. I figured it must be a British song. So yeah, so this wedding has happened. And then like Rachel goes to the flower shop, apparently to say thank you to Luz for the flowers. Then she ends up inviting her to have dinner with her and Heck and also invites Coop. And I think at this point, she's like, I don't even know if Rachel is aware that she's attracted to Luz right now. She's I think the only reason herself. Rachel goes to this stupid flower shop, because you don't go to your florist to thank them. They've You've paid the money, you're done, whatever. I think the only reason she goes is because she's intrigued by her. Yeah. But I mean, like to me, like I feel like at the beginning of the movie, she's like saying, like, wouldn't it be great to set her up with Coop? And I feel like she's almost deluding herself at that point. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, like this person, like, I mean, she does say that she had a feeling about her. So she says to Heck, you know, when you've just met someone, but straight away, you feel as if they're going to be your friend. Who knows why? Past life, physiognomy. But for some reason, you just kind of click. So she does, I guess she does know that about um, yeah. Ruth, but I don't think she's admitted to herself that she's attracted to her. Yeah. I don't think she understands yet that she's attracted, but there's something that wants, makes her want to like stay in this chick's orbit. Yeah, for sure. And like, I totally do know what it's like to meet somebody and feel yeah. like you're going to be friends. Cause like, I felt like that way about you when I met you, actually. I, I was agree. just like, agree. I was just like, yeah, yeah, this Sybil, this Sybil person, this, I'm going to be friends with them. Like, yeah, no, and we, and by the way, I also want to say that that line has the original name of the movie in it, Click. Oh, you are right. You're 100% right. Look at that. Yeah, and so like, but, and if you're watching this movie, like as an outside observer, you can already tell the way she's talking about Luce is like a lot. You know what I mean? She's just bringing her up all the time and Heck's not paying a super amount of attention because I guess they're like bidding for some sofa or something and got other things going on. But like, yeah, you see... Rachel just wants to talk about loose to somebody. Right. Though I find th- I found that this section was a missed opportunity because I feel like somebody who was either better directed or, you know, better actor at that point would have imbued this with like that kind of giddiness that you get when you've met somebody who you kind of really like. And not just as like, I want to be a friend like, but like they give me butterflies in my stomach. And I thought yeah. that's a missed opportunity right here, right? Even if she doesn't realize that that's what it is, like that's what she should be having. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I feel like she's supposed to be read as kind of an introvert, but like, I mean, that's the only excuse I can make for it. An introversion doesn't necessarily play well in a movie. So, so at the actual dinner, now we're at the actual dinner and I don't really know what Rachel's doing, but heck and loose are just talking together. And like, actually like in the intro, you said that, um, Rachel finds out that Luce is gay at the dinner, but she doesn't find that out until later. But Heck finds out that Luce is gay um, before they have dinner. Rachel doesn't find out until the grocery store scene, which I'll have a clip of later. Like, mm. yeah. Through, so the whole dinner, like she's still thinking that Coop and, and Luce are going to be a thing. So, which is hilarious. Well, maybe not hilarious, but yeah. Oh, and the what other thing they talk- sets them up with Coop anyways. Who sets anybody up with Coop? He's like a monster or whatever. He's not great. No, yeah. Like, at this part in the movie, like, you could just be like, he's kind of like a silly character. There's one thing he does later in the movie that we can talk about that I'm like, no, no, I don't like you. But um, at this point, I could write him off as like, maybe he has hidden depths that we, the audience, don't know about. I don't know. No, he's already been super creepy. Like, every, he's been creepy the whole time. From, like, dancing at the wedding, like, pushing him, telling a little girl to go away so he can dance with a chick, being super, like, inappropriate with his touching. He's a creepy guy. Okay, okay. I feel you. I've already been like creeped out by him and he just gets worse. Yeah. We find out that Luce is gay during this conversation. We also find out Hex dream, which 
I didn't think this was really a necessary subplot, but apparently Heck works in this like corporate soulless job, but his real dream is that he wants to write like a travel book, but the book will tell you like where to go at any given time of a year to see a festival. So it's like, it's organized by the year, you know, instead of by place. Right. And then in each day, it'll tell you where you should be if you want to go to something fantastic, which I mean, yep. I'm sure maybe somebody's already made this book. I don't know at this point, but seems like an okay idea. Seems like people would read it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he could also just become a blogger. It would have worked out fine. <laughs> but anyway, that's Hex Dream that we find out about and that will come into play later as well. And yeah, so then we get to the dinner and at the dinner, like we still have Rachel just not knowing that Luce is gay, Coop not knowing that Luce is gay. I don't know why Heck wouldn't have taken somebody aside and told them this, by the way. So at dinner, like they then they're trying to kind of encourage Coop to like settle down. And Rachel's like, you'll you'll want to settle down when you've met the one. And he's like, how do I know when I've met the one? And then we get two different theories of love. Um, which which theory of love do you want to, to read out? Because we can each do one. I'll do Rachel. I'll do Rachel. Okay, Rachel. so this is going to be Rachel's theory of love. So Rachel says, you don't know, not straight away. It just feels warm and comfortable and you hang in there and give it a chance. Before you know it, you're like, yeah, this is it. Must be love. Yeah. And when they hear Rachel's theory, the guys are like, yeah, yeah, I'm with her. I agree. Until Luce pipes in and she says, I don't agree. I think you know immediately. You know, as soon as your eyes... Then everything that happens from then on just proves that you had been right in that first moment. So, and then the guys listen to her and they agree with her. And I, first of all, I just want to say, like, if I were at some newlywed couple's dinner and the, and the bride said, like, like what her, like, theory of love was, I would not agree, disagree with it. Like, I just feel it wouldn't be very polite. Or I would you soften could, it quite a bit. I would be like, yeah, well, you, you could know. easily said, but like, yeah, it could be both of those, actually. Okay. Or, yeah, or like, well, you know, for me, it's more like this, but that's really beautiful. You know what I mean? But she's like, I don't yeah, no. agree. <laughs> you know, the guys, the guys are just, I think it's because in general, like men are just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I don't want to make it trouble. So that's fine. What do you mean about the guys, though? Because I was just talking about like, um, Luce's behavior there. Like, I don't think I would just be like, like, burst this out. You know what I mean? But what do you want to well, say about, what were you saying about the guys? female character. I actually, I actually had trouble with the guys, how like they could, they, like, wouldn't you have like, especially heck, wouldn't you have agreed with your like wife? Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Probably. But he <laughs> did like, it first. He did it first. Then he just changed. But then after the end, he's like, he's like, no, I agree with that too. Yeah. And no, I agree with that. That's, that's more of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, to me, though, Heck looked like kind of like sad when Rachel was saying hers. Like, I think you're meant to think that he's a little bit like, oh, is this really what it was like for you? Like, maybe they haven't discussed it too much. I don't right. know. Well, and we don't really know. how we. This uh, The other thing that's kind of sad about this movie, like when I looked at it back on it, is you don't actually get a good feel of who Heck is. And it would have been like to have more nice to have more like character for him, mm -hmm. like more meat the most you get is, is, and I won't spoil anything, but is at the end when he start when he talks about love and you're just like, Oh God. Yeah. Heck potentially could be a very interesting character. Mm -hmm. A little more to do. So like in terms of these versions of love that these ladies are presenting, um, what do you think like you tend to agree with or do you, I, are you both? Like, what do you I think? think that they both exist. Like, so for me, like movies like this just show that like, the idea of like one guy and one girl is probably not the best option for most people um, because there's so there's just so much in life and there's so many different kinds of people and there's so many varietals of love. Love is very fluid. And so here you have somebody where you're like, I fell in love with you. You were my best friend. We get along. We're comfortable. You're like my favorite pair of jeans, but mm -hmm. 
you know, it's a different kind of love than the passion that you'd have perhaps when you first met somebody and you had like chemistry yeah, and that chemistry can fade as well and become that comfortable pair of jeans. Like you don't know, or it yeah. could just die. Who, who knows? I wonder like if, I wonder if like heck and like, it seems from Rachel's accounting that or she never had chemistry with heck or that like passion and like that first knowing, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, they just, as she said, they just kind of fell into yeah. it, which is okay. There's, I mean, like for me, I'm like, that is a kind of love, yeah. you know, and that somebody would say, well, that's not a love that like holds a marriage together. I'm like, actually that kind of mar- love actually will often hold a marriage together longer because they get along. They agree with things. They support each other. They've been together so long. They understand each other. Yeah, I think like a lot of like when I read about arranged marriages, like cultures with arranged marriages, it sounds a lot like it's kind of the Rachel way. Like people yeah. will like choose to, you know, keep going. Like Rachel, what does she say? You you hang in there and give yeah, it a you chance. You hang in there. You hang it when it's hard because there are times that it's going to be hard. And there might be times where you're like, I like, I'm not really, you're not maybe the person I would have picked if like at this moment in my life, but you've been with me so long that, you know, I'm. I'm with you and I love you. You have like different history and different bonds and like, like bringing you together. Yeah. And like, so I think that that's totally a viable like form of love. I think for me, it has definitely more often the relationships I've had that have worked out have more often been the kind where I like do feel something, maybe not the first time I look at the person, but just like definitely pretty soon after, like I feel a knowing, a passion. It's not even necessarily has to be like a lust, but like, well, it probably is a less too, but like, it's, but just like chemistry, but I just mean, like a knowing, right? Like, as she says, is it physiognomy? Is it past life experience? Is it just hormone chemistry? Like, your your you smell that person, and your DNA knows that their DNA is going to procreate, right? <laughs> yeah, I Which mean, I'm not saying so that, that could, I'm not saying that couldn't be part of it too. Yeah, and the kind that's romanticized more is definitely like that kind of like. As soon as your eyes, she doesn't even finish the sentence, like loose, but as soon as your yeah. eyes meet, I'm sure is what she was going to say. Of and, um, yeah, that's the kind that's romanticized more and that is in more of these types of stories. Um, I mean, I've, I've had that. Like, I definitely have had the, the like, you know, deep, like, you like look at somebody, you're like, that person, yeah. And I'm, I feel so much intensity for them. And, for me, it may, may, you know, may or may not have continued on a long time. Um, they might not have been good for me, you know, yeah. just because I, I have a passion for them doesn't mean they're good for me. For me, like it's the best of both worlds is when you have both though. And I, and mm-hmm. I, I, I have that with Lee, which is really good. Um, just like I did feel like an instant. Well, I mean, we, t- we talked online before we met, but when we first met in person, I felt an instant like, oh yeah. And a knowing and like, and then we also had all these things in common and like we chose each other, but the choosing each other is important no matter what, because no matter what kind of relationship you have, there are going to be all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of problems. Nobody's going to be perfect all the time. Anyone who thinks that is setting themselves up for failure. That's right. Relationships are hard and they're only as strong as I've said for years. They're only as strong as the hardest times you've gotten through. Mm, that's very well said. Yeah. So, and then like, I think we already addressed this, but like, basically, do you believe in love at first sight? And like, I'm, I'm going to ask this in like a literal sense. Do you think you can actually look in someone's eyes and fall in love with them? Like immediately. I think you can have, I don't know if you'd call it love, but I think you can have lust and passion for them. And for some people that is love. Like, I'm going to say that 
I, I think I've gotten a little more, I've, I've been a little more woo woo since I've gotten older. And I do kind of believe in soulmates to some extent. And I do think that if you're like really people are so many people are going to laugh at this or think it's silly, but like, I feel that if you're like in a really like spiritually good place or whatever, you might be able to look in someone's eyes and kind of see their soul or kind of know them like that. So I do kind of believe in love at first sight in that sense that like there is something deeper in all of us. There's like a spirit that connects mm-hmm. us in some way. And that, that could be just seeing someone for the first time, just having that knowing. So not just oh, and lust, I, I but believe like in that. that knowing a hundred percent, that knowing that you keep saying, I mean, I've met, I've met the person who like the first time I met them, I was like that person. Mm-hmm. I've been with them in a past life and we probably had an amazing life together. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, and I've had that happen more than once. I've had it happen with friends and lovers and like, mm-hmm. I just, so I believe in love at first sight in that sense. Um, I think, yeah, if it's more like a chemistry thing though, I, I think it would be more aptly called lust at first sight. <laughs> and but I'm do not- you believe, okay. So I'm gonna ask you a different question. So, but do you believe that you could look at somebody, look in their eyes and be like, I'm going to marry them. I almost did that with Lee. Yeah. And, okay. and, and, weird, and, weird, and w- weirdly that happened with Josiah, like almost to my first husband. Like um, I'd known him for a week when I, and okay, I've never told this story on the podcast. I don't even know if I told this story to you, but like I heard like actual weird voices, like that sounded mm-hmm. like me, but weren't me like during yeah. this, like, like several year period of the early two thousands, like, I first, like when I met Josiah, like I saw him in a grocery store and I felt compelled to talk to him and I had no idea why. And like my brother and I went over and started talking to him and we ended up like learning meditation from him. And then like, I can't believe I'm telling this story on the podcast. I'll try to do the short version. And then like he and I started hanging out and like, I kind of started like falling in some kind of love with him like that first day. But within a week, I heard a voice that said, you are going to marry Josiah. And the voice sounded like me, but it wasn't like my internal monologue. It was like something separate. Okay. And and I didn't even really want consciously to marry him at that point. I just felt like like this voice though sounded like so it sounded like the truth is yeah. all I can you, say. It just heard, sounded like guiding. It sounded like, so, okay, this is your, your deal, but the story continues. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is not the end of the story by any means. Um, then the first day I met Lee in person at the Japanese garden in Portland, Oregon, I was sitting between Josiah and Lee and there was a voice, the voice, the same voice, like, and I hadn't heard it subsequently said, you and Lee are going to be together. And it was the same voice. It was just as compelling. And I had not felt consciously attracted to him at that point yet. Like I thought he was a really cool person, but I wasn't like attracted to him. Then when we were in the movie theater, like after that with the same day, all of a sudden, like I was just filled with like lust and like love and like all these feelings for Lee, like out of like, like it just came all in. Like I uploaded it or something. It was downloaded it or something. It was so fucking weird. And then when I was dating, this is the third time. Okay. (laughs) This, there's one more voice while Lee and I were first dating. um, And I had no notion that things were not going well or anything, but I had a voice in my head that said, you and Lee are going to break up, but you'll get back together. And I was so fucking mad at the voice this time. I was like, we're not going to break up. We're like so in love. Like, cause we were like really passionate about each other right away. And we both said, I love you pretty early on. And we were like way into each other, but we did in fact break up like fairly soon after that. And, and then obviously we did get back together and like, but at the, but by the time we got back together, I had stopped believing in the voice. Like it was like, well, clearly we're not. I'd already accepted that we weren't going to get back together, but we did. But it was mm-hmm. like only these three times I heard this exact voice, like the same kind of like power, the same kind of voice. 
And then I've never heard it again since. And I think I'm almost afraid of it. I think like maybe that's part of the reason I don't hear it. It was, it freaked me out a little bit having this voice. voice It has a lot of knowledge, but what I will say, and thank you for sharing that story with us, Jennifer. I mean, I I don't even know if I'm going to keep this on the podcast because it's like really woo woo. It's woo woo. But I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the woo woo of like the mysticism of love. Right. But in all those stories, none of them were, I looked at, I looked at that person and I said, you are my forever on the first sight. And that's where I, that's where I, okay. Okay. That first sight where you meet some, like you meet somebody's eyes and you're like, we're going to be together. I know it. Yeah. But I believe that it could be possible because like, okay. And it's because of that experience because that voice experience didn't make sense to me either. Like there was no reason for me to go and talk to the random guy who was working at the grocery store when I talked to Josiah. And even though he and I did not stay married, like I learned so much from the experience of being married to him. Like, um, I would never would have moved to the Northwest. I don't think without that. And I wouldn't have started meditating. And so like, I just feel like it was part of my destiny. You know what I mean? Of course. And like, well, and yeah. And that is, and once again, I started this conversation with, there is nothing, there is nothing in my life that makes me believe more like stories like this, that when people are like, there's one person, that's all you have. And I'm like, mm, you can have soulmates, but maybe they're multiple. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. You know? I think people come into our life for certain times for certain reasons. And when they're ready to leave, they do. Yeah, I kind of I agree with that, too. I tend to agree that like, I mean, there can be people I think who stay with one person their whole life. But I really Mm -hmm. think there's probably a lot of people for everybody. And like, yeah. And you never know what the point of a relationship is going to be necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That is that is a hell of hell of information right there. Everybody's going to stop listening to the podcast now that they're going to be like, Jennifer no, is like way juicy. too weird. No, that's the juicy stuff right there. That is, <laughs> that's the magic right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. So after this dinner, um, Luce and Coop leave together. For some reason, Luce agrees to like have dinner with Coop because I guess Hex dinner is so terrible or something. So they I don't know. This makes no sense to me. This section, this is another reason why I'm like parts of the script. I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, but whatever. She's like, I'm going to have a pity date with you because you're clearly creepy and sad. (laughs) Yeah. She's, she's some, for some reason degrees to like hang out with Coop and, um, Coop at this point, I think knows that she's a lesbian, but he thinks like somehow she's going to like change for him. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. Yes. He's going to, once again, he's, he is, he, he is a man and his dick is going to satisfy in ways that she doesn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Luce reveals like that at this dinner that she's interested in someone, but they are taken and she believes that you don't mess with other couples. And later in the movie, we find out this is because her mother had been left by her father and it really hurt her mother. So I think that's where Luce's like ethics comes from, but Coop thinks it's okay Like if he was interested in someone in a couple, he says he would shag them and it's the person with the partner's job to worry about it, not his. So what do you think about the ethics about falling in love with someone who is already in a couple? Like where's your, where's your position? So when it comes to love, you don't have choices. So if you fall in love with somebody that's, you can't stop yourself perhaps from falling in love. What you do about it's a whole nother matter. And I 100% believe that it is the person who's in the couple's responsibility to make their choice for themselves. That's not my responsibility. So I always makes me angry when people are like, they're, you know, they, the wife goes after the like mistress or something I'm like, go after your husband. He's the one who committed a, a problem. Yeah. Not, not the girl. You know, yeah, don't be, a, don't be a little, don't be a little like bitch about it. 
I agree with that part. Yeah, I definitely think like um, you can't like focus on the person who is outside the marriage. I think like I think like ethically, I I don't love like being with someone who's cheating with someone. I wouldn't do it at this point in my life. I don't think I ever actually have on that side. I, I, um, I hear you. I hear you. But I think mainly it's just practical things. Like it's just mm-hmm. like it's a mess. You don't want to involve yourself in a mess. Like if somebody's non-monogamous, sure. Like if they have rules set up and it's non-monogamous and above board, go for it. Um, if, if somebody's cheating and lying to their partner, like a, like that's going to cause a lot of potential problems. You are probably going to get hurt. Other people are going to get hurt. And like, also that person might then do that to you later. And that, that is actually where, cause like you asked me how I feel with the ethics. Would I do it? No. And the yeah. reason why is because I can't trust you because you are untrustworthy. Yeah. I mean, you are not loyal. You are not honest because if you were unhappy in your marriage, you would have said so. Yeah. And I definitely, when I was in my early twenties, like I definitely was cheat. I cheated on a few of my boyfriends. I'm like, I don't think like at heart, I'm an untrustworthy person in the end, but like I was behaving in an unethical manner then. And I hadn't figured out my shit yet. So like until I figured out my shit and until I figured out that I was more naturally non-monogamous and had to like live that way and live truthfully that way, like, man, like I was a mess for a while. So Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have advised somebody to date me at that time. Once again, you know, there's love is fluid and especially when you're young, I think it's hard to figure out where you fall in that because we do have so much stigma around the idea that, you know, we should, that monogamy is the only way. Yeah. Oh, and there's so much. Long term, we've I think we've proven that monogamy really isn't the only way because divorce is so high because of it. Yeah, there's like w- so much stigma still. So it's just like, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to like dwell too much on that because it's not really the topic of this like uh, film per se. <laughs> no, it is not. Anyway, so basically we find out where Luce stands and this is going to like um, inform kind of the way she behaves for the rest of the movie. And um, yeah, now we're going to come to this the awkward shopping trip scene, which I think this is my favorite scene in the movie, honestly, because it feels like the most authentic thing that could happen between people. So yeah, and this is just like you also just like awkward stuff. So this I is, do. Of course, your favorite. What thing. do you mean? I like awkward stuff. You love awkward stuff. You love when people are like uncomfortable and awkward and doing silly things. I don't know if this is an accurate. This is an accurate. Of me. This is this is a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe after this, you can tell me what you mean by that. But I'm going to play the awkward grocery store scene in which we see um, Rachel and Heck shopping, and then we're they're going to bump into Luce and her friend Edie. Last night was a big success. They left together. That distant sound you hear is wedding bells. Wait, you didn't twig? Oh damn, you're so uncool. What? Twig what? Well, the thing you didn't know about Luce. Is the fact that she's right here. Hey, hey. Hey, hi. Hello. Hi. Weirdest thing we were just talking about you. Oh, all nice, I hope. <laughs> oh, sorry. Heck, this is Edie. Edie? Heck? Uh, and Rachel. Rachel? Edie? Loose? Good. So, um, Saturday shopping? Is right. <laughs> Great. Enjoy it. And listen, thanks for dinner. We should definitely. Definitely. We will. Okay, well, um, have a nice rest of the shop. You too. So you're going out tonight? I was thinking maybe I... Whoa, pussycat, what the hell was going on there? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Luce is gay. 
she's gay. As a tennis player. Hey, you reckon that's the girlfriend? She's not just heterosexual. She's like Barbie heterosexual. <laughs> oh, hey, how are you doing? We were just talking about you this time. Baby, we'll be late to kick off. Oh, there's ours, yeah? Sports name, football team. <laughs> oh, how darling. Isn't that darling? Good. Well, hope you win. Evie, are you gay? Oh, God. Am I gay? <laughs> I'm ecstatic. And are you two... No, no, we're not. I've tried and I've tried, but she loves another. <laughs> so I, I'll call you. Do, because we should definitely... Definitely. We will. We're going that way. Yep, bye again. Bye. So I found out they are not an item. Yeah, very tactful. Let's pay. Are you stalking us? And why would we do a thing like that? We'll be at this till, waving. We'll wave back. And do. Like, yeah, you can see there, like, yeah, that's where um, he tells Rachel that she's gay and stuff. As a tennis player, which is not a phrase I've heard people use in this century, but... <laughs> that whole scene is weird. So it's a very strange scene. But it was relatable to me in that, like, I've totally run into people and, like been talking about them and then like it's awkward and then like you run into them again this is like something that actually seems like something that happens i don't know to me yeah which is why i like yeah. it because the rest of the movie often doesn't feel like things that happen like florists attending wedding receptions small children <laughs> befriending random older women and being encouraged to hang out with them regularly large crowds going to elementary school presentations none of those things feel real to me but this felt real to me i get you i get you <laughs> So what do you make of this scene? Um, I Well, first of all, I'm just like, why does she, who's this? The whole time I'm like, who's this blonde friend who you met at the very beginning of the movie and now you have here and she's a weird throwaway character too. Yeah. Um, and then I actually think I pay very little attention to this scene, which is why I didn't even realize that, that she <laughs> didn't know that she was gay because I think yeah. I peed during this scene because I was like bored. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm pretty sure I missed it both times. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just like it because it's like um, this is this is feels real to me. This feels like it's how you find out information in, in Jennifer's life. Not necessarily <laughs> my life, but I certainly don't go around calling people gay as a tennis player. That is so weird. But like, yeah, it feels like it does feel older than it is in some ways it, to me. It does. It does. This is like, it, like I said, this if film, in my opinion, has aged very poorly. Yeah. All right. So let's see. We're going to, now we get a bunch of different scenes where we kind of get an insight into Rachel's kind of internal struggle that she's going through um, just for, through little moments. She hears a story from heck about one of his colleagues who's cheating. And instead of kind of agreeing with him that it's really bad, she says, maybe he doesn't want to leave. Maybe he doesn't know what he wants. I feel like that would almost ring alarm bells for me if I were heck, but I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of stuff in their relationship that probably should have been ringing alarm bells, but like he's just like, I'm this is a comfortable pair of shoes and I am awkward and and I being with people is hard. So And also he's got that job that he's like sucking his soul. So maybe that's like where uh, yes, a lot of his mind he, is. So pretty much he has nothing good in his life, but maybe mm -hmm. the chick that he's with. Yeah. And then Who does love him. I mean, she, Rachel does love him. It's obvious. And she takes good care of him. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely get the impression that like some parts of the marriage are functioning. Although you also find out in, in this sort of middle section of the movie that Rachel and Heck are not having much sex. It's like Heck is kind of alluding to it to various people. 
Um, other signs that Rachel's not not doing so well in terms of the marriage is uh, seen where she's at H's school presentation on something to do with stars or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, that whole section is super weird. You're like, why is this needed? I mean, I think it was needed to like, so what happens in the section is like, they're in the dimly lit elementary school room or something. And there's like these sparkly stars and like loose and loose is sitting next to Rachel and loose is there because she's H's best friend now, apparently. And <laughs> they're sitting there like when the lights have dimmed and like, at first you think that they're actually touch that Rachel actually touches loose, but then you find out it was just kind of this imagining she had like while the lights were dim it, it, it sh- reveals that she didn't actually touch her. And I think it's just there to like, really like telegraph to you. Like, yes, she feels this kind of connection towards um, loose. And she's now allowing herself to admit it to herself and to imagine it because prior to that, you could maybe still think she's kind of deluding herself about this connection. Mm-hmm. But this moment um, you, I think you really see it. Like she's conscious of it now. Well, let's take it, if you don't mind, let's take a minute and actually talk about like the few point, the touch points of like where you feel like they have a connection. So sure. the first time I think you're supposed to feel the connection is obviously when they see each other in, they, they kind of see each other in the, when she's walking down the aisle, mm-hmm. right? So Rachel's walking down the aisle. She looks over and is like, look at that chick. She's intriguing. And I have a connection with her, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have... She heads to the, you know, for some reason she feels like she has to go to the flower shop. Mm-hmm. But do you actually feel there's any chemistry there? No. No, me neither. So then we have this scene, which I think is, you're, like you said, it's supposed to like give them opportunity to kind of like, I have aloneness in the dark. But also, did you feel that there was any chemistry? A little bit. A little bit. I will admit that the the atmospheric scenery, the atmospheric filming did work for me here. But I just okay. like, but Piper Parabo, it's just her facial expression. She's making the same <laughs> facial expression. I just like bury your fucking facial expression. I'm sorry. I don't want to be mean. It's like, perfectly fine. But I, I do feel like, so for me, that scene is such a throwaway scene. Cause like, I just looked at that, like they're two awkward people who are like, we're here together and okay. So one interesting thing about this, when I was searching for like clips for this podcast, I did not find tons of clips from the movie, but there are a lot of shipper videos about Lucid Rachel, actually. So there are definitely people out there who either they felt chemistry between these two, or there's just such a dearth of movies with about lesbians, like that, like yes. they had to put this together. Like it could be a little bit of both, to be honest, but there yeah, are clearly I, some I, people... I, I, there yeah. are some people who felt it was worth their valuable time to set scenes of Luce and Rachel to pop songs. So they're out there. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to go look for the, the pop song, pop, pop song montages of them, like <laughs> almost touching. Yeah. They probably have more, they probably have more feels to them than every other moment in this, in this, episode, in this like show. <laughs> So did you want to say more about the chemistry or should we keep going? Yeah. Well, and then, so, you know, as we go along, so other points of chemistry, do you, did you find that any of the other points of chemistry made like when they like get, when they're like together? Yeah. I did. did, I did find one and I'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay, cool. So when we get there, let's chat about it. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one that worked for me. So, yeah. And like, yeah, there's just other subtle signs that like Rachel is like having doubts. Like she asks the women at work if they believe in love at first sight. I think they say no. 
Um, right. In, in, in the typical chick in a bathroom scene. Yeah. She just asked a random friend or something. Those or are her mate. colleagues. They were actually at her wedding. Yeah. They I were guess. at her wedding. I don't know. It was weird to me. That whole scene is also weird to me. I'm just like, so you're like in your, in the bathroom and you're like, so have you ever like one? And she even called like, try the other side of the street or something like that. And you're oh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's another what? scene. I think there's more than one scene. No, the one where she asked about love at first sight, they're at their desks. And then in the bathroom, she's asking if they've tried like girls. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and you're just like every, there's just so much like weirdness around it that I'm like it's so hard to get into it <laughs> I didn't find it weird but I, I did find it like the the work colleague characters are kind of again blink and you miss them kind of characters 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah and then this, this oh my god the kind of most the cringy one for me is actually when she goes and rents a lesbian porn movie at random and it's called Georgie's Bush which thank god is not an actual lesbian porn movie <laughs> Um, this again, this was during George W. Bush's presidency, I guess. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, no. <laughs> yeah. And then of course there's the stupid trope where the video store employee, like, like embarrasses her by saying the name of the embarrassing movie. Like, yeah, that's not a thing that generally happens, but whatever. And yeah. And at home she gets caught watching it like all the time. Anytime anybody rents porn or has anything to do with porn in a movie, somebody finds out about it. So like you can't ever watch porn privately and in peace, apparently. In the, in the world of, of, of film and TV, there is no privacy when it comes to porn. It will always be discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So really quick, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about our precocious kid H. Yes. Um, yes. Um, yeah, we don't really know much about H except that she likes to ask a lot of questions. The original reason she wanted to hang out with Luce is because she was asking everybody, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? And Luce is the only one to satisfactorily give her an answer, which is that it's like a paradox, I think is what she says. It's like a contradiction because like if it was really unstoppable, you know, you couldn't stop it. And if it was immovable, you couldn't move it. So yeah. So it's a trick question is what she said. It's a trick question. There yeah. is no answer to that. So, and yeah, and then H has been just like hanging out with Luce. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Random. Luce is super excited to have a best friend who's like eight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Luce's and H's parents are like, whatever. Sure. Hang out with the florist. We don't care. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right? It's very strange. Anyway, they end up all like they end up having H and Luce have an interaction, which I think is like Guy Fox Day at Bonfire Night. Yes. I think is what's okay. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're all at this bonfire, and H asks Luce if she's going to have a boyfriend, and Luce explains that she likes women, and H says, "My best friend is Natalie Curtis. I'd rather spend the rest of my life with her than any boy." Then she waits a beat, and she says, "It doesn't mean you're a lesbian or anything." And I'm like, oh my God, I wish they just left that part out. It would have been better if they left that point out. But once again, it's an older film. But I do find that this is, this is like, this is interesting in the sense that it's saying like, is Rachel actually a lesbian, which we'll get into later, but is she actually a lesbian or is putting terms like that on somebody just ridiculous? It's about who you love. Hmm. I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous to have like, have those terms. I think it is worth asking whether Rachel fits into that category or not, but like, but the, but the way the little kid says it, the reason I wish they had left it out is because it seems like it's meant in like sort of like a judgmental. Yeah. Judgmental well, she way. She just grew up with her mother and her mother's like not okay with things. That's true. That's true. So, so you know, it, com- I mean, it comes down, it comes down from society. I guess it is an element of realism, but like it kind of like just made me a little sad. I'm like, they had this cute interaction 
And then it's like, well, let's make it not cute. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could have had one like really cute interaction there. Right. It could have just been about love. Yeah. Anyway, I, I personally, like, I don't really like the character of H that much. I think like, I sometimes really do like kid characters in movies. Like I love um, about a boy. I love mm-hmm. a little kid in Jerry Maguire, but this one isn't working for me quite as well. Like how this do you one's feel? not necessary. If you yanked this kid out of the movie, the movie does not miss anything. You could literally have a friend or a colleague or even apparently a, a random stranger who walks into the floor shop, give these words of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like. Is are there words of wisdom here that you'd rather like? Like the only words of wisdom. I, I, is like, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure what her purpose is, except they're like, we should have a kid because kids are cute. It's a reason that they can be at the elementary school presentation with the lights down low because yeah, yeah. That's well, why. they could have been at a planetarium or something. They could have been like, she's she's a freaking florist and they barely use this, right? She's That's like, I'm true. doing a gig here and I'm doing that and I'm setting up. You should come over and see them. That's true. Yeah, you could have done we a lot more with the flower the angle. Well, at all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Could have done more with that for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, now I don't. Not, I'm not really sure why the writer picked a florist because I think that they really knew nothing about florists. Oh yeah, we'll get to that too. <laughs> I know, but it keeps <laughs> yeah. coming up. It just keeps coming up. Okay, so now we're going to come to the football game, which um, Rachel and Luce end up going to a football game together because Rachel calls Luce and hangs up and then Luce calls right back and she gets Heck. And Heck asks Luce to take Rachel out because he can't go. And so they end up at a football game together. And the whole point of this football game, I guess, is that we know that Rachel likes football now, I guess. And also she wants to shout things and then... Luce teaches her how to use her diaphragm um, to, you know, project, which apparently involves having to hold her from behind and touch her belly. So has to touch, touch her, touch her diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sexy. Yeah. This didn't do it for me. So this is not the moment that did it for me. Like, and I'm assuming no. it didn't do anything for you either. You were just like, no, but oh. like it should have, like, there's like, if like, it, there's this moment where she's like, put your other hand on me. I need both your hands. Like, and she, but like everything was filmed very awkwardly. None of it, like, like none of them was selling it. Like, like Hedy wasn't like, she didn't come around behind her and actually like hold her. And they have like a moment where they're like, Oh yeah. Or feel this. They have like eye contact with yeah. like, do you feel what I'm feeling? None of that happened. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so, like, the big result of this is that then Rachel shouts and she shouts, you're a wanker, number nine. And it's like one of those magical yells that's heard all around London, apparently. <laughs> this will come up later, too, like, believe it or not. So that's why we're mentioning it now. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So the moment that did work for me, though, okay, afterwards they go out and they play some kind of, like, Dance Dance Revolution type game. And that worked for me. They're dancing really well together. They're, like, in really good sync. Like they have really learned this dance routine very quickly. It's like, they've been both separately going to this like arcade and like practicing this dance or they were there for a very long time. But like, for some reason, the joy that they seem to be expressing dancing together on the, on the machine that worked for me. I did feel chemistry between them. Then Um, it reminded me of a later movie, um, the kissing booth where there's like, although those people aren't romantically attracted to each other, but there's a lot of DDR scenes in that. And it's really fun. And so that moment worked for me. I like alone, mm-hmm. perhaps among all the moments in this movie. Well, and I can understand why once, w- once again, pop song Two, it's done in a montage, which by the way, this movie has a lot of like, like mini montage sequences. So this is like, I think the second one at this point, 
Um, the first one is the wedding where they have like, mm. they are, they're all dancing all the, by, by the way, all the montages are dancing. So the wedding dancing montage, and now they have a DDR dancing montage. And then like it slows down. And I, I do think it's supposed to have taken place over a long period of time. Like they've, they've been supposed to be DDRing for a bit. Yeah. But I mean, they're like professional level good at it at this point. I'm just like, they are. And they like know each other and they make their own moves and stuff. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it looked like they were having fun. I think that might actually be why I felt chemistry here because almost every other scene, they look kind of gloomy to me. They look very dour. You're right. Like nobody smiles at each other. They just stare at each other. Like (laughs) what? Like, I don't understand what's wrong with your face. (laughs) Yeah, I just want them to like like each other. You know what I mean? Like not just like feel a connection, but like oh, I like you. We're we're having fun together, like that. So there you go. Yeah, and then they we find out after this DDR session, it was Luce's birthday, and it's going to be Rachel's birthday soon. And then Luce says we're practically twins, which I don't know if this was supposed to be some kind of like bringing up this like whole twin flame idea, which is like a thing that you see on the internet a lot now as a kind of soulmate kind of not equivalent but like even better or something like than that have you heard about all this stuff yes yes the twin flame the twin flame it's the uh, twin flame is actually the other part of you yeah like so it's actually a separation of you so it is like the other version of you so you're actually in love with yourself that's why twin flames are so hot right now that's why it's it's hot right now because 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 people are really into themselves (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) So soulmates are the idea that like there is a person out there who, you know, your souls will always find each other. Right. Yeah. And a twin flame is you actually are, this is another, this is like the alternate version mm-hmm. of you who you are now meeting. And if, so of course you're in love with them because they're you. It's almost like Loki, right. Where he's like, you're in love with yourself. Those are, they're probably twin flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of my understanding. I'm wondering if the writer was alluding to this, like if old Parker was, or I probably not though. I don't think so. I, I was like, that's putting a lot of meaning into this that I wouldn't have seen, yeah. but I, I'll go with it. So they also start talking a little bit about flower meanings and like uh, Rachel wants her to tell her what the meaning of a lily is. Okay. And this is where I start to be like, what old Parker, like when I did the research, um, because Luce claims that a lily means I dare you to love me. And literally the only reference I could find to that meaning online relates directly back to this movie and then applies to only the tiger lily. So all the only references I could find were had, had this movie in it as part of the source. So I'm kind of like doubtful about it. What do you well, think? As we know, I'm pretty sure he just pulled everything out of his ass <laughs> and he was like, let's talk about flowers and because that's what you do. Right. And you give them meanings. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And like, okay, so like, we're going to get into the flower shop and the flower meanings a little deeper. So like, the flower shop is kind of used throughout the movie, first of all, as like these comic interludes where different customers come in and they want flowers for these different occasions. And then Luce will tell them like, you should have this flower because it means this or like, this is the history of this flower. And like, they're supposed to be funny, but like I didn't find them funny. Did you find that at least the flower shop nope. scenes funny? Okay. Nope. Hey. <laughs> nope. It almost feels I don't, like and I don't really understand them. So we have like the guy. Can I talk about the guy? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So this guy, he he comes in. He obviously he's like cheated on his girlfriend or wife or whatever, and he's like, I need to have the flower to like get me forgiven for everything to save my marriage. And then he takes home a cactus. And I think you're supposed to think that's funny, but I was like, 
So you're taking home a pokey phallic thing? Yeah, um, it really looked phallic like, too. Like how is more this than funny? more than most cacti. It looked more phallic. It had two bowls on the bottom too. Like yeah. it looked like a penis. And I was like, what are you trying to say? Because this isn't funny. I'm just like sad, dude. So sad. Yeah, like I guess it was making fun of that guy, maybe, but it was just sort of random. But, but it didn't work. And even yeah. when even when um Rachel's like she's like in there and you're like, like none of the flower shop stuff is used in a way that was seemed useful mm, to advance the plot. You mean, or like, yeah, like it just seemed like this, like weird, like, I guess we're in a flower shop, but you could have been anywhere. <laughs> you could have been like, you could have been, she could have been a museum attendant and it would have been more interesting. Yeah. If it had been used better. Yeah. Like, I mean, I see what he was trying to do with some of these people, like where you think at first that like they're coming in for a normal reason, like, this girl's going to give flowers to her boyfriend to, because she's pregnant, but then she breaks down crying that he's not going to love her anymore. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, this is a twist. And then like Luce is kind of forced to like hug this crying girl and be like a counselor to her. I don't know, but it just like didn't do much for me. It was it, like, it hey. didn't. And it didn't advance the plot. And it was weird. Cause I try to think of her like if I, if she was in like a diner, that would have been mm. more interesting. Cause she would have like, you would have just as interesting people around. You wouldn't have any of this flower crap, but I, I, she could have been catering the event. You know, sure, I don't know. Sure. I just found that the flower shop was just such like a wasted space and it could have been used in an interesting way, but it seemed like one, this dude has never owned a business Two, He knows nothing about flowers or how flower shops are run. Yeah. And it almost feels like the majority of her business is supposed to be these like random people coming by to get like a random flower when it would really be more like these big orders. So yeah. Right. Or locals who always come in and then she already knows who they are. Yeah. Right. And and she's never, even when she's in the shop, she's, she's never really like making arrangements really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like all the things that you usually see a florist do, like one of my clients is a florist and like mm-hmm. I've gone to her place and I know like she's constantly busy. She's constantly ma- cutting flowers, putting things together. This chick, she's just hanging out being like, well, I guess somebody's going to come by. <laughs> and when they show up, I guess the flowers are in, they can just pick up some flowers. They're just in the little bin. Oh man. I'll get on my, if there was iPhones, I'd be on my iPhone scrolling through to TikTok. There, there'll be another I'll have another thing to say about the way the flower shop is run in the spoiler section but for now I want to talk about the, the flower meanings so like they keep bringing up flower meanings in this and this movie as well and I really like I already said about the lily that was not really accurate I'm really not sure how reliable the meanings in this movie are in general um so I was trying to look up like about flower meanings and like it seems like you might have some information about this too. I, yeah so, so you, you can know, take I, over from me at some point if I you mean you have I, I mean you looked up a lot more than I would but I actually have so I study regency history and mm-hmm. regency time period you actually they they started doing they had more they were more fan oriented fan language of the fan but they were they were moving into the fa- language of flowers that became a more Victorian era thing where mm-hmm. like you would give flowers to people that really had a heavy meaning. But even in the Regency period, you did. You want to make sure you give the right flower to mean the right thing, you know, because it's a way of courting people quietly, mm. making, you know, meaning to people, giving messages through flowers. And there is an entire book called the um, Encyclopedia of Etiquette of Meaning of Flowers. And it is the primary book that most people used because it was the one that came out at the, in the Victorian era, which was the, all the information gathered from the different kind of people in England who are like, this is what flower meanings mean. Hmm. Very interesting. And so you can get that on Amazon, by the way, that book. And I sent, I have the, we have the link. So I gave it to, cause I own this book 
And I didn't think about looking up any of these meanings because they all just seemed kind of BS to me and I didn't care. But I like <laughs> the fact that we are talking about the fact that here we are, we are supposed to have all these meanings of flowers and they really didn't make that much sense. Yeah. Like it's very strange to me, like, because like this stuff is available, like you said, in books and it's also available yeah, online. Yeah, just done research and like, yeah, just put this in. and actually once again, use the fl- flowers and use the flower shop. Like it would have been nice if like every time, even when you first meet Heck and she's pinning the boutonniere on, like it would have been nice if she was like, you know, this means blah, blah, blah. And so I added like blah, blah, blah to help sustain your marriage. Once again, this could be much better used, but it's just kind of yeah. a throw off kind of thing. So I just wanted to, like, for fun, just tell about the meanings of a few of the flowers that were actually in the movie. Um, And just to say, this is like, the meanings are mostly the ones that I got from the Victorian flower culture, which probably would have been the one at play in this movie anyway. But other cultures have ascribed meanings to flowers, including ancient Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, and the Chinese. And so, and you'll see vastly different flower meanings if you look on websites. There are some that seem to be common among different sources but some of them are like totally disparate so um let's see so but starting with the lilies so rachel's favorite flower in this movie is the lily which i'm kind of bored by lilies no offense if you like lilies but they kind of bore me um i mean as far as i know lilies actually mean like most times actually death which is not in here but it means like death um it can be purity virginity that so you have heavenly on here it's because they can mean death like if you think about like dead people flowers at the calla lily so actually like so what i read is like lilies are used for both weddings and funerals and like so and what the sources i looked at which include like the farmer's almanac and a couple other sources like bridal um websites said that the that all the different lilies have different meanings so not only is like mm-hmm. i dare you to love me not really listed anywhere but like it like it depends what kind of lily you like so like a kala lily would be beauty a day lily it says it's the chinese emblem for mother a white lily like you said virginity purity heavenly yellow lily happiness walking on air orange lily hatred okay <laughs> what's and tiger lily would be like wealth or pride but intriguingly the lily in general can also mean renewal and rebirth and i think that would actually be a much more interesting meaning that was mm-hmm. actually out there that he could have used for the lily you know because right. rachel is having she's... a kind of rebirth right. she's having a renewal of like her her personality her life and like 100% that would have been just as good as i dare you to love me and it would have been more accurate so <laughs> So she also like, offers like um, hydrangeas at one point. She just tries to give to somebody mm-hmm. who wants like a breakup flower, like, but like that somebody like, like this guy wants to break up with his girlfriend and he wants to give her like a flower. And she offers hydrangeas mm-hmm. like it's supposed to mean like think well of me or something like that. But I did not find that meeting either online. I found gratitude for being understood or frigidity and heartlessness. <laughs> so totally different meanings. Um, another site said perseverance and heartfelt emotion, but like none of those, yeah, none of those apparently have to do with like, think well of me, even though we're parting or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then I looked at my favorite flowers. So the poppies, it said consolation, but then another site said that red is pleasure. And, oh, and you like yellow, yellow poppies? Mine are orange. So mine's are California poppies. Yeah. And they mean abundance. Okay. They have, that's they have, good. For abundance. Yeah. Very nice. And then my other favorite, Lavender Rose, that one means love at first sight. So that would have been a good one for Luz to give Rachel, a Lavender Rose. Totally. Yeah. And Queen Anne's Lace means delicate femininity and complexity. That's the one I had at my wedding. So 
now I feel very complex and delicate. So that's exciting. Wow. <laughs> it is by itself very delicate and complex. So it makes sense. I didn't know your favorite flowers before the recording, so I wasn't able to look them up. But yeah, that's okay. I do know I do know the meaning of the California poppy because well, orange in general, color orange means wealth and abundance. Nice. So that, it was interesting when you had the yellow, the orange lily, like is like hatred. I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah, well, I guess like the Victorian flower language, like also you could indicate negative feelings too. apparently, like you could send someone a yellow carnation to like indicate disdain. So for yes. example, so that was interesting. Oh, and I will recommend also in the show notes, we're gonna have a lot of articles about this. So you can check out flower meanings. I also read this hilarious article, which also talked about this movie in Autostraddle, which is like this um, lesbian website. And it's, it's called it's like an article where she tries flower arranging inspired by this movie. And it's, it's a hilarious commentary on the movie as well as the art of flower arranging, which I really recommend reading. That's amazing. I'm going to, I'm totally going to go look at that. That's funny. That's funny. All right. I'm into this. I'm into it. Okay. So check out our show notes for lots of flower meaning fun. And yeah. And while you're at the show notes, make sure you go ahead and rate review and subscribe. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So any more we want to say about flowers or should we move on? No, we're moving on from flowers, though. I've had a really good time talking about them. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. And one final um, sort of like effort, Rachel tries to like renew her marriage with Heck by like trying to have sex outside, which I don't know why she went there with it. Well, she talked about how like they had at one point in time, like had sex in bushes or something or trees. Did they? Something. Yeah, she does. She's like, she's like, remember that time when we were wherever the hell we were? And, and uh, like in her mind, maybe that was like hot and different. Okay. Okay. She's trying to rekindle and he's just like, no, we don't have sex in bushes, brambles, which by the way, I'm here with you, heck, I feel you. I don't like having sex with brambles or bugs. So I get it. Yeah. But I I took this scene very much as, you know, because you had mentioned earlier that you felt that, you know, Rachel like was not passionate in the relationship and that heck was like, I miss having sex or whatever. But I feel that both of them together actually weren't very passionate in the relationship Hmm. because here, here she's like, let's go do something crazy and fun. And he's like, um, no, that's, well, I'm not, he's not even like, let's just go home and bang there. He's like, well, there are beds for that. But I think he's not like, let's go home and bang there. Like in his defense, like he's already been shown to be an introvert. Like he's afraid of public speaking and my husband's an introvert. And I know that he would feel so awkward about going to some park and having sex. Like I would not even like ask him to do that. True, it's just but so against were, his nature. It's just like not his thing. And I totally understand but if you were that. Sitting in a car, would he have been like, and you were like, let's go have sex in the woods. And he's like, no, but let's do this instead. Like maybe, but like, I don't, but I felt like Heck was saying that in his very restrained I, way. I, I didn't. I mean, I felt like the whole, like he should, like, I feel with your partner, like if that they are really comfortable together, he should be comfortable telling her whatever. And, and then he like, would be like, I don't want to go out there, but I totally want to like, you know, eat you out at home. But there's a, well, the movie would be rated differently if he did <laughs> But um, <laughs> I can't wait to see you naked when we get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a scene earlier, though. There is a scene earlier where he alludes to they're going to have sex after their dinner party. Like, um, yes. yeah. So, I mean, I do feel he is reaching out and trying to make that effort. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not. Well, I, what I'm saying is I do think, I think they're both in their own way feeling the constraint of maybe like their relationship is a different kind of love. Hmm. And it's this more 
is more friendship love. And he even he knows that. And yeah, but, but I, I think he does want her, though. I do. Like, I just okay. think, yeah, in a quieter way, maybe like, yeah, but but still passionate. But in the park, this is so this is an awkward scene that I didn't enjoy. So this is my favorite scene of the movie. Oh, my God. This is so much more awkward than the grocery store. <laughs> no, I feel like this would totally happen. Okay. <laughs> why, is this your, why is this your favorite? Okay. Tell about the scene. Okay, tell why so, what ha- so first of all, what happens is so they're in the park and she's trying to get it on with him and he, she's like trying to get him naked. And Hex like, I don't need to get naked. I'm a dude. We just like unzip and it's like there. And like, why are you trying to get me like naked? And then as that's happening, she's trying to get like into it and pass maybe this is her kink you don't know we haven't talked about any of their kinks right so maybe this is her kink like out in the woods maybe where people can find them right and all of a sudden like these two guys walk up upon them and they're like oh god um hey what's up and it's this thing where like clearly these two guys were gonna have sex in the woods mm-hmm. and the this you know rachel and heck are gonna have sex and they all know it yeah but and and they're like, oh, okay. And then the two g- gay guys are like, we just met right now. Like, we just met tonight. Yeah. Which is like this dichotomy against like, here's a couple who's just like trying to, you know, sp- spice up their relationship. Yeah. And for me, I sh- that showed me that like, you know, hey, spicing up a relationship is good in the woods, apparently. But they all, in a very British fashion, this is so how British people would do it. They're like, oh, hello, hello. Let me just shake your hand. Nice. Good evening. Nice meeting you. <laughs> I mean, it's such a very British thing. It was funny, but like, I just like, I felt really bad for Heck because it just seems so awkward. And he's like, for him and like something he didn't want. And like, I would like, I wouldn't want to make my partner do that, basically. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny, though. Yeah. All right. We're going to begin the spoiler section now. All right. This is our favorite time. Spoilers. So, yeah, we're coming upon now. Rachel has had enough and she's ready to go to the flower. Well, actually she hasn't had, she goes to the flower shop allegedly to tell Luce that they can't have a relationship. And she, what did she say to her? She says, you make me feel something that I absolutely cannot feel. So she's confessing her feelings and then saying, we can't do this at the same time. And Luce is just like, what, what? I was just here like waiting for random people to buy flowers for me. Like, what are you right? I I don't even have a job. I don't even know why I'm here. I actually work for the (laughs) CIA and this is a fake front shop. So at this point, do you feel, do you feel their connection at all? No. And it no, makes it, it makes it worse too. So when they yes. kiss, it's worse. Yes, it's, so, it's so uncomfortable. It's like, it, they, it's not, I don't really even feel like the actors necessarily feel uncomfortable, but it just like, didn't, I didn't, I don't even know. I can't even like put watching, my finger on it. But see, for me, it was like watching a, like, like two teenagers try mm-hmm. to kiss for the first time when they don't really like each other, but are like, okay, like we should do this in the closet because we played spin the bottle. Yeah. I couldn't even, that's bring how that scene felt to me. Can you put your finger on what it is though? Cause I can't really put my finger on what it is about their acting that was doing this. Or the Neither of them seem passionate about the other person. Like they're not really groping. They're just kind of like, I fall on you. But yeah. like, nobody's oh, actually oh. like oh. passionate. And they're falling on all the expensive flowers too. This is yes. the, my biggest pet peeve with the flowers in the entire movie. It's like they're in the back room with all the flowers and they're just like <laughs> rolling around on all these flowers. Like how much do those flowers cost? And they're destroying of dollars, all of, of them. <laughs> and, and who cares? I mean, who cares? Because like, once again, she runs a CIA. She's worked for the CIA or something. And <laughs> wait, wait, my ultimate not the C- wait, she works for the CIA in Britain. Like why not? Okay. She's, she's probably okay. not even British. She's American. 
Okay. Well, her British accent I'm, I'm, is better like, than Piper Fern. Well. That's how little she knows about flowers. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know though why. Like, okay, we were watching Sophie and I did single all the way. And in that movie, I was able to pinpoint like, okay, this actor was giving chemistry to this actor with his eye contact, but not to this other actor. So I was able to sort of pinpoint what wasn't working here. Maybe it's just rushed. Maybe it's the way it's edited. I don't know. Well, I, I felt so when I feel a lot of this, honestly, I feel a lot of this is, is the directing. Mm-hmm. I felt that the directing of this was uncomfortable with like showing passion between the women. Mm. And it, like even the scene where they're standing at the like there's when she they first like are doing the touching at the the at the soccer game or whatever that should have been closer shots. You should have more shots of their yeah. faces while they look at each other into each other's eyes, you know. And it's just like these far angle shots where you're like barely noticing it. I'm like, oh, I'm teaching you how to sing. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel yeah. so much of this was the direction, in my opinion, as somebody who has seen a lot of film and has worked in film. I just feel like so much of this was bad directing. Yeah, and like now that we're in the spoiler section, I can say for the final kiss in the movie too, I felt like it was more down to like the editing. Because it's one of those where it's like they repeatedly start kissing, stop kissing, start kissing. Yeah. And it's like yeah. just edited. Like it's, I like it better when there's like one fluid scene. You know, Me too. it just feels like more like you're feeling the passion develop slowly and naturally in that sense. But yeah. Also, they weren't like staring at each other. Well, there's not enough staring at each other's eyes. Like the reason why that first, like the, when they first see each other, that kind of, that kind of works, even though it should have lingered longer. Yeah. Um, the reason why it works is because you literally, if you look at the, the, the editing and the direction of that, you can see that you're showing shots of their eyes mm. meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where the connection is with when you have that kind of like connection where you're trying to like prove that they really like each other. So much of it is the eyeballs and we have none of this is eyeballs ever look. They look, they don't look at each other. They look really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not enough just to have two hot women in a room kissing. It's just not. No. This is what happens with dudes who, who direct. (laughs) All right. So we also like in this scene where they're making out and ruining the flowers, uh, heck is outside in the flower shop now and he has come by to buy some flowers and he's calling out for Luce. And so Luce goes out there and listens to Heck and he starts asking her like, you know, is Rachel okay? I feel like something's wrong with our marriage. And like, and, and Luce very properly says, you should probably talk to Rachel about that. And, and then I think she sells him some lilies for for Rachel and yeah. And that ends. What happens then is Luce goes back into the back room and Rachel has like gone out the back window. And so I have a clip of what happens next. Um, Okay. Yeah, Rachel and Luce meeting in the park. Rachel, wait! Luce, please! Just talk to me! What do you want to say? I heard him! Jesus, I'm lying there! And I heard him, and he's blaming himself! You can put an end to this. How? Tell me to go. Tell me that's what you want, and I will walk away and you will never see me again. Is that what you want? I want you. Luce. I know. I can't. I know. We'll be okay. Don't forget me. I won't remember any 
Yeah. So that's their dramatic, like, they just made out for the first time and now they're partying and like, wow. It's like very serious. Yes. But like at the same time, I couldn't have cared less. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Which made me sad because I, I I, vaguely remember when I first watched this that I was just, I, I was really more sold on the idea that they they loved each other and they had a connection. So I don't know what's happened between the time when I saw this when I was, you know, I, mean, I don't know, in probably 2007 or something. And then. It could be just that there's more high quality movies depicting like. I, um, I think that that might very well be it. Once again, I think you're correct, Jennifer, because I remember watching it again um, when Possession came out. Mm-hmm. and being like she's such a good actress and i still really like this movie but now i just watch it and i'm like what yeah i mean i feel i see what it's trying to do you know and i can respect it but like it just hasn't quite gotten there yeah yes and it doesn't make it a bad movie like it's not like i sat around and was like this movie is terrible but i was just like it's i feel that there's a lot of missed opportunity which makes me sad yeah so Especially they, we, have, we do have quality acting yeah. Well, okay. Some of it is quality. I really, I'm really like, I'm sorry, Piper Parabo, but just, it's not working for me. It's not working for me. All right. So now we get to a bunch of different things happen. Um, and now finally, like heck is at his soulless corporate job, which the whole plot with his job, I didn't care about at all. Like I was like, okay, I don't even really know what he was doing, but he apparently involved lying to people and he gets a bonus and then he quits right away. I mean, is he still going to get that bonus? I don't know. Probably not. Anyway, he quits right away. He comes home drunk. And while he's kind of lying around drunk, Rachel confesses like what happened with Luce and says she's staying with him. She says, you're my best friend. That was enough before. It'll be enough again. And at the point she says that, I'm not really clear on whether she thinks he's passed out and he doesn't really hear her or not. But like the whole thing is kind of weird. Like she's confessing this, but he's also drunk. Like, does he want, does she want him to know? Does she not want him to know? I think she does. Cause she does look at him and be like, no, don't do that. Don't be asleep. Like, don't, don't pass out. And then she's very sad that like, she told him all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. he's like, seems to be non-responsive. But in fact, he has heard it all. The audience sees that he opens his eyes and he's heard it all. And um, then we get this really, I hate this scene. This is what made me hate Coop. Coop goes over to the flower shop, confronts Luce and be like, are you the girl? And then he's, and then he says, you dumb slut. And I'm like, seriously? Okay. Now we get to talk about so many things about Coop. So I have already hated Coop. And by the way, so slut in British is not, it's like saying, con- it's like the same thing. Like here, slut is much stronger than mm. it is in Britain. Like they, like they can say cunt to people and they don't freak out. Right. So slut is just like a term that you would use being like, like you, st- like you stupid git. It's the same kind of feel. Right. So it's not actually saying you're actually a slut. So that is important, I think, to know. Okay, so wait, wait, I didn't completely understand that. So you're saying slut doesn't have as much force in Britain? or It has doesn't have force? as much force in Britain. Okay, no. okay, like, okay. Like your friends, like it, back then, like especially like people would be like, you slut, right? Like it's not, it's just a very slang word. And he's like, you, like, you slut? And he's just meaning like, you stupid idiot. Sure, yeah, but like, yeah, but I feel like there's also different ways you can use slut, whether you're using it like, even in America, if I you're using it like to a friend. Slag if- I think okay. he would have used slag if he oh, was like okay. going. So, right. so that, it is a detail in the lingo of that time, you know, um, and anybody else who's in Britain can come out and talk to me about it. I mean, I, I lived there for a while and I feel like I know it pretty well, the slang, but 
it didn't bother me when he said oh, okay. slut. And then I, I was just like, whoa. I, like, <laughs> yeah, when I read the show notes, I was like, oh, I could see that from like a British under, like from an American understanding of the British slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, that's good that he's not no. quite as bad. Like, because I was just like, seriously, dude. And you're also the guy who was like, oh, I would totally cheat with somebody. And like, now you're going to judge her. Well, I, and this this is actually the problem that I have with Coop is that I first we haven't even talked to the fact that he at one point says that, you know, he's a cure for lesbianism, mm-hmm. yeah. which is when I was like, Coop, you can die in rotten hell because you ain't a cure for anything. But like, you know, procreating. So you're just a mood killer, sir. But he's just like a really unlikable character, which is a shame because it would be nicer if he was nuanced. Like it'd be nicer if that scene had, he'd come over and was like, to make him a more interesting character, he'd come over and instead of calling her a slut or whatever, he had said something like, are you okay? How do you feel? Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. If he'd act like, a, like if he'd actually been there to listen to Luce, you, you know, or like, right. and maybe even he could have like warned her off of it. Like, listen, like they're a really strong couple. Like don't disrupt them. Like that would have been, you know, fine too. Right, exactly. And that would have made him like, it would redeemed him in my eyes where he like, oh, he was just putting on this front because he's also like insecure about himself. Yeah. And he just wanted to try to get the girl and he doesn't understand how to actually get girls. Yeah. You know, Um, but instead you're like, no, no, that's just who he is. He's just a douche. Yeah. You know, and it made me really like, I was like, you know what? I really prefer when my characters are nuanced. And I like when they have redeeming qualities and this dude doesn't have any. And I'm so sorry for the actor who had to play him. So, yeah. So after this confrontation, and I don't think it's directly responsible for it, but Luce decides she's going to go on vacation from her flower shop for a while because I guess she can do that somehow. <laughs> she's she's just like, her- I guess I'm going to leave it to my mom and I don't yeah. need to be here. And I'm running away from my problems is the answer. Yeah. And then we're- uh, did they even say where she's going on vacation? No. I That's what I'm saying. So. And then Rachel has a birthday party and um, which is actually the moment when I realized H was actually her sister. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And um, heck is there too. And he can't do it. Like right in the middle of her trying to blow out the candles, he decides he can't do this anymore. And he tells Rachel, it's not you leaving. That's going to kill me. It's you loving someone more. And then he says, Mm -hmm. wait, what you're feeling now, Rachel is the unstoppable force, which means that I've got to move. So bringing back dialogue from earlier in the movie dialogue, by the way, which I have, I really don't think that heck would have remembered, but there you go. True that. True that. Uh, He's like, well, the most important thing on my wedding was, and I remember that insignificant (laughs) conversation. But one of the things that made me upset about this section is that heck doesn't try to have a conversation. Like he, he, he clearly avoided the conversation Mm -hmm. when she like was like burying her soul. He's Mm -hmm. like, I'm drunk. I don't want to have this conversation, but he, instead of having a conversation with her about how his, what his feelings are and what's going on, he's just like, fuck it all. I'm out of here. Yeah. Like yeah. it would have been fine if he's like, I have all these feelings. I can't be here. We, you know, I, I feel super sad. I don't know if we can repair anything, but you know, let's see if we can talk about it. Cause they've been friends forever. Sure. They've been friends forever. I think it was probably a decision made for dramatic, like a momentum, you know, to keep the story focused on Luce and Rachel more. So like, I can understand there, but yeah. But it made me really sad because I, once again, the, the, the lack of nuance of these characters has made, it makes me really sad in the film because it would have been easy for him to be like, let's, let's try to talk about it. And then she would have been like, you know, I, or he's like, how do you really feel? It would have been like, 
even just three more lines of dialogue. Hmm. Like, do you really love her? How do you feel about her? You know, well, are I mean, you sure? She, yeah. If he'd asked that though, I feel like the whole film would fall apart because like, to me, it's like, she knows almost nothing about her. You know what I mean? Like, like I just, she does I'm given, nothing. I'm given no the reason idea is that they have love at first sight. So her, everything yeah. that she feels she's like, I have, it could be all based on feeling. Yeah. I'm just given no reason to like believe in it though. So it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I feel you on that. I do. I feel you. But uh, maybe like when they, I look at films, okay, like, here, here. Maybe they even had a scene like this and Piper Parabote could not fucking sell it. That's another consideration. <laughs> she would have just looked dead face and be like, what? I'm so confused by this conversation. I don't know. Like, just like, yeah, I don't know. Who can say? But yeah. It's true. But I do, I look at films when I, when I, especially when I look at like writing in a script and I'm like, this is a place that was missed. You could have added dimension and character to these characters. Mm-hmm. And made me care. Once again, I would have cared more about what was happening, especially with both Heck and Rachel. And here, Rachel kind of looks like the bad guy. And, you know, that's okay to a certain degree, but she is our heroine. And so we want her to get together and be happy, but we want it to happen where we feel it's okay. And mm. at this point, I'm like, I don't I don't even know if I like you, Rachel. So like, then she's kind of re- like... Um, forced to like because this happens in front of her parents though like I think that's another reason they might have done it this way it ends up her having to then tell her parents right mm-hmm. away what's going on and they're like who's the lucky fella you're leaving him for and she's like oh it's a woman and so they they really have to go through this really quickly where the mom's like kind of like oh my gosh like what about grandkids like a woman like you're gonna be lesbian friends I think she calls it and right the- yeah, she's super it's super uncomfortable like you're like oh god but the dad is like right away like supportive of her and then he gets into this thing that like he has always felt that his wife Rachel's mom thought he wasn't up to snuff and he fell for her right away you should follow your heart and this ends up leading the mom and the dad to like reconcile like in the next scene which I guess which is why makes me really want to watch their love story I did far more I really didn't care about that but we'll talk I would have watched them on the screen more at this point. I'm yeah. like, wow, I wonder like what it was like. Is like, was it taming of a shrew kind of situation? What was happening? Well, you, you can watch a similar story by watching the best exotic Marigold hotel, which you claim to have forgotten about. That movie was super like, boring, but, but that's how old Parker writes and directs old people falling in love. And I actually do like that movie, but like, what, I feel like that's you what you would have enjoyed that movie more. That's okay. what you would get, but I wouldn't enjoy this particular couple's movie more because really their problems seem to amount to like, He's not having sex enough and needs to take Viagra and she's making mean comments, which she continues to kind of do. And I'm like, really? This is like the whole, you've been married this long. This is what your problems amount to. I don't know. I'm not sure about this reconciliation. (laughs) Well, I think for them, actually, I look at them and I think to myself, you know, she, she is disillusioned by what's happening in her marriage and her life. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't understand what her needs are because they've never talked about it. Right. And that he's a kinder person and she, you know, especially women, they get, you know, especially during menopause, you get really mean and angsty. It's like a second teen years. I mean, nobody really talks about that. But like, yeah, but like you can also like have awareness that that's happening to you a little bit too. And just be like, hey, you know, I'm sorry. Like I'm saying this shit. Like this is what I'm going through right now. You know, and that's what that's what he asks. And she says, yes, I can do that. 
Yeah, but then she immediately makes another mean comment. So I'm just kind of like, it just feels like sort of like this has been an ongoing thing for decades more than like this is just like a thing that came up with menopause to me. That's how I that's how I view it. All right. But I don't know. Whatever. They like it didn't work for me, really, is what All I'm right. saying. But like it worked for you. You were interested in these two? I was I was this this was a scene that I was interested in and I would and like I continue to be like, wow, like I'm interested in what would happen to these parents. Like what okay. would go on? So this like this revelation about like I'm in love with Luce and et cetera leads to a chase scene where we have some cars kind of like chasing after each other kind of slowly. Um, ending- I was like, this is the slowest, most boring chasing ever. <laughs> yeah. Ending in a traffic jam. So they're all in this like little traffic jam and this bike's driving by the traffic jam and he- the guy is singing um, happy together. Imagine me and you, because of course, you know, title of the film, et cetera. Um, and Rachel has called Luce to try to like talk to her, but Luce hangs up on her like immediately. But like before she hangs up, we hear this biker <laughs> singing. And this is how like Rachel knows that she can find Luce in this traffic jam. So that's the whole convoluted nature of that. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty. I mean, that's, that's, this does so numb. So I actually, when I watched this the second time, I like watched it and I was like, I looked at it compared to like the chase scene in Love Actually. Right, where oh, he's like airport? going to the airport, yeah, and I'm like, "Wow, this scene could have been done so much more interestingly, yeah, with more heightened awareness." But this one is like the most slow mo. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you get her or not. I guess but the other people in the other cars don't even seem to react when like Rachel gets up on top of the car and starts yelling. Exactly, they just kind of like barely look around. Or like this chick is standing up on the car. I guess. I mean. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, and then finally she's yelling loose, loose. But what gets loose to like come over is she yells, you're a wanker, number nine, which is what she yelled at the football date. And I'm like, really? And also she yells it so loud that she yeah. uses her mouth as a cathedral. Yeah, the Which, diaphragm. you know, harkens back to the fact that she couldn't do it before. But seriously, it's not sexy. It's not lovable. It no. doesn't make, it, the callback does not work. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But this leads loose to be like, and then she's like, oh, and then she's. It would, so I have a question. Would it have been better if she, if you she yelled, I love you, Luce, you wanker. Oh, well, that wasn't work for me either. But yeah, okay, I'm just curious. I'm like, what would have made that scene work better? I don't know. But just say after that, though, she says, I can do it. I can do it. So yeah. And like, that's part of it, too. And then Luce comes running and she's running and they're running towards each other. And the Happy Together song is playing. I don't like that song, by the way. So that probably like doesn't help for me. Do you like the song Happy Together? I do. I do like that. Okay. Song. Okay. Well, that's good. At least you like the song for me. I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I just never liked that song. That's all right. So yeah. So they finally. So right. So then they, they they meet and they embrace and they kiss and there's lots of edits in their kiss. <laughs> and it's it is it's a choppy it's a choppy kiss scene. Yeah, a lot of movies do that, and I don't really know why. Are they doing it's it because it's hard to do? I'll be honest with you, it's hard to film like a a long kiss. It is like that okay. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, understand if you've ever been watching like this stuff get done. It's very awkward. It's it's contrived, and you have to hold the camera there a long time. And have the people who probably aren't passionate about each other look like they're passionate. I have definitely seen movies where they have had like long. No, they do, but it is harder to do. And I've now proven that this director is maybe not the best director. Or this was his first one. And he's like, I'm just learning the ropes. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just was like, "Mm," to me, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. So didn't really work so well. But um, yeah, and anything, any more comments about this final scene with them like there? No, I mean, except that it was somewhat unsatisfying. Yeah. 
So we do a wrap up thing now where we're kind of starting to like do like these aren't I maybe some of them are in the credits. I think we cut to like Coop who has a baby randomly, but we don't see the mother of the baby. Mother, No, clearly he just has a bastard baby who's hanging out with him. <laughs> He's like some chick left this baby on my step because apparently it's mine. Okay. Even though you don't like Coop. And so you'll probably disagree with me. I would watch the movie where Coop suddenly has to raise a child by himself. But like that would be. Isn't that, isn't that three men and a baby? Yeah, but it'd be like one man and a baby. Like. <laughs> One, like, incompetent dude and a baby. That would be amazing. And his growth pattern is he becomes less of a douche because it's a girl. And as she grows up, she makes him less of a douche. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. And then we see a scene, Rachel and Luce are, like, on a park bench, sort of, like, huddled close together with, like, some coffee or something. All right. And then Heck is on a plane and he's off to write his travel book. And he is rewarded by sitting next to an attractive woman who is inexplicably incredibly interested in him as soon as he sits down and she finds out he's writing a book. Well, he is attractive as a man. So not with that hair. Does he have a better hair? He's still attractive. He's still attractive. I guess. But it's like you're going to be on a huge long flight with someone and right away you're obviously flirting with them. What if it doesn't work out? Like you're stuck with them for like 12 hours. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. She's like, I put in my earbuds and now I'm ignoring you. I mean, you don't have to put in your earbuds per se, but like you could just be like, start it off slow. I guess they had to just be like, they are obviously going to hook up because then like the last (laughs) thing you see is heck is smiling at the camera, like breaking the fourth wall by being like, yeah, see? Yeah, no, that that part is the part that I was going to say. Him breaking the fourth wall weirds me out. I'm just like, so this became a super hardcore comedy. Yeah. I was like, when when did that happen? Because one of the most powerful scenes, I think, in this entire thing is when he is talking to, I think it's H, and he says, like, I've essentially have, like, I lost my friend. Like, yeah. I've lost my friend, and yeah. I was in love, and I don't know what to do next. Yeah. And I, I feel so deeply for him because he 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 literally has essentially been with the same person for a long time. He probably genuinely really did love her mm-hmm. maybe more deeply than she did. You can't a hundred percent tell, but I, you know, but also like his, his whole life is in chaos. He left his job. He, you know, he's as an introvert, he's like, Oh my God, everything's about to change. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's all madcap fun. So yeah. So like on the plane, he's like, Oh, look at me. I'm a rake now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once again, the direction, I think, was just a little strange in places. Yeah. All right. But I'm also happy for Heck. I hope he bangs a lot of chicks (laughs) and writes a book that's super, super successful. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I have no investment in that future story, unfortunately. So, like, I think I I liked I think I liked his character more before they gave him the weirdly satisfying ending. Like. He wanted him to just be emo, like, in in a coffee shop. But I mean, I think I would have liked to see him on the plane about to write his book, but you don't have to reward him with like a magical woman. You know what I mean? Like, just like, he's going to go and claim his life. He's going to go and do the dream that he had. And maybe he'll be a woman, but he's just, you know, he has his dream and that's good enough. Okay. I would have been fine with that too. So that's good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk now a little bit about um, a topic that's kind of relevant to this movie, which is a phenomenon of women leaving their husbands or boyfriends for other women or just women who change their sexuality kind of later in life. And so like in this movie, it's not really clear whether we should think that Rachel is like supposed to be bisexual, whether she's kind of a repressed lesbian, or if she's just like sexually fluid, or if it's like a one person scenario, like just loose is it for her. And it doesn't really have to do with sexuality so much, but like um, this, like, so whatever you make of that though, there is apparently a trend 
according to experts, that there's a growing incidence of women leaving their husbands or boyfriends for other women or becoming interested in women later in life. And like all these experts say that like, of course, a lot of the reason it's growing is because there's more acceptance, you know, of like queer lifestyles or like people, you know, having sexual fluidity in this day and age. So that's probably why it's growing. But there's some interesting reasons they were giving why this might be happening. So like there's a 2018 article in InStyle and it has an interview with someone named Dr. Cheryl Kingsburg. And she was saying that she has seen this increase in formerly straight women experiencing late in life sexual fluidity. And she believes that some of it may be due to actually biological and hormonal factors. So that's like kind of one intriguing reason. Mm. Um, Yeah. And then in the same article, though, Dr. Lisa Diamond says that for a lot of women, it might just be situational. It's just based on like a particular person. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they were like repressed lesbians. Um, And she also wrote, she wrote a book. So she wrote a book called uh, Sexual Fluidity in 2008. And she says, a predominantly heterosexual woman might at some point in time become attracted to a woman, just as a predominantly lesbian woman might at some point become attracted to a man, which kind of reminds me a little bit of like Chasing Amy, um, our discussion on that. And like, also there's a character in the movie Go Fish who like, she is a, she identifies as a lesbian, but once in a while she has sex with a man and there's controversy in that movie about that. So Dr. Diamond also wanted to say that one of the risks of the repressed lesbian narrative is that it leads women to feel that their previous relationships with men must have been fake or inauthentic. It's completely possible that a woman had a totally satisfying history of relationships with men and is now experiencing totally new and equally satisfying relationships with women. And like this article and a couple others I read, they share stories of women who left their male partners or who just reoriented towards women. Like maybe they didn't leave someone. Mm-hmm. And some, some of those women did still feel attraction to men, but some of them thought like totally like flipped a switch. Like they were, they said it was like flipping a switch and they no longer felt any attraction towards men. So that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Elle magazine cited a survey from the university of Chicago, which said that women's sexual desires and behavior tend to be more subject to change over time than men's for whatever reason. When I, when I was reading this that you put up that you did this research on, so thanks, Jen, for doing this research, it, a lot of this kind of made sense to me because there's a couple reasons. One, I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship with a man for a long time, men are in general kind of gross. And <laughs> they can be, I mean, they are. Come on now. I, I actually can, don't. I'm going to say that I, I agree with you that some men are, but I would say in my relationship, I think Lee is actually more hygienic and clean than I am in many ways. So like, And there are. That's why I said in general. Like, there are one, there are men who are just like, I have a client who like, I've been many of my clients are just like very fastidious and clean and careful. But I mean, men, there's also like, you, men can just be like kind of slovenly. And many of them were raised to not, you know, perhaps take care of the people in their life. Hmm. And, yeah. you know, so, and this is just an inherent thing because of how they were raised uh, and they haven't not learned how to do it yet. Um, so I think that there might be a lot of women who, as they age, they're just like, you know what, <sighs> I just need more emotional support, or I just want to live with somebody who's cleaner or understands me and what's happening in my body. Hmm. Um, and then DNA wise, if you think about like why a lot of times if you look at just the science behind why we, you know, get together and, and procreate men, they can continue to have babies for forever. Women, once you hit a certain age, your body's like, I'm shutting down. And you're fair, you're mostly useless. I mean, according to science, you are mostly useless at this point because you no longer can procreate, which is the whole point of who we are. 
and we don't have to like it, but it's just the reason why right. it goes on. I'm going to say that I, I will, I will agree with you that from a certain perspective, that could be true, but I, I disagree with that perspective being the only reason we're alive. I'm just going to put that in there and I'm going to like, no, I, mean, I don't agree with that, but it's okay, like okay, for, okay. for science. Just to be clear, just to be clear. Yeah. Okay. If biologically for science, the reason why like we are here for scientific reasons, like biologically for women, the reason what happens in the body is it starts to shut down and menopause and all those things create hormonal changes that I can 100% see if we like really study them might be like, you know what, because you don't procreate anymore, maybe you're more open to other things that don't have to do with just procreation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I could see that. Like, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but I, I'm like, oh, that kind of made sense to me. I'm like, I can understand that biologically as well. Yeah. And I can see what you're getting at with like the way a lot of men are raised too. I guess I like, I've been pretty lucky, like, and I think I've actually purposely dated guys in my life who don't fall into a lot of the stereotypes, but mm-hmm. like, I can see if you were married to a guy who wasn't taking care of himself, wasn't taking care of you, wasn't emotional, that could definitely also be a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if and if you if I bet if they like actually study the women who kind of are be- that became more fluid, those might be factors into it because women we often have sex because of, you know, mental stimulation and and emotional stimulation and many men, you know, they are very visual in nature. Yeah, I just I feel like I've dated very different guys in some cases, which is fine. And is but I can understand why that happens. I mean, for me personally, I've been fluid most of my life. And so this does not apply to me because I'm very fluid. I've been fluid. Like in college, I was fluid. In high school, I was already fluid. I never chose people that I was, you know, in relationships with because of their sex that never, I was just like, I like that person as a person. I find them intriguing. Interestingly for me, like, I think I was actually a little more sexually fluid when I was younger than I am now. And maybe that'll Mm -hmm. change again as I get older. But like, I feel like I definitely, I had some experiences with women when I was younger and now it's like, I rarely, rarely find women attractive and I still find many different men attractive, but like, who Mm -hmm. knows? Like when I, when, when I go through some kind of biological thing that could also shift again, who can say like, I don't know. Well, it's not like we really study females really intensely right now, which is a shame, but I, I would, I would be, this is very interesting information. I was like, oh, that's fascinating to me that like more women are becoming kind of fluid or that they change completely. Cause I have seen that in my, my like land of friendships. Hmm. Yeah. And there's also been all these celebrity examples, like some articles we're talking about, like Cynthia Nixon, Wanda Sykes, Kelly McGillis. Maria Bello, they all came to being with women later in life. And so they're all kind of part of that phenomenon now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and in many cases, they became very seriously involved with another woman, like settled down then at that time. Yeah, right. which is, it's, it's very interesting. We kind of started at the top of this where I was like, the idea of like one person, you know, is for the, for your entirety of your life is to satisfy all your needs, I find incredibly hard to manage. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there are, you know, that as we age, we change, and therefore, relationships can change as well. And so yes, you might be able to be with the same person forever, but that re- require that person to also adapt and change. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And especially as we age, those changes can like feel probably, I think, very scary in some cases too. Yeah. And like, I think so. Yeah. So, what do you think we are actually meant to make of Rachel in this movie? Like, how did you read her? Like, or was it a concern to you? Like, 
you know, I actually, I did think about it. So I was glad that you asked this question. I really felt that Rachel was not a lesbian because there was no, there was no, she didn't even like, there was no point where she like explored her sexuality, which is mm-hmm. what also would usually happen in a film like this, where she's trying to explore her sexuality. I guess the video tape, you could say the lesbian porn might have been exploring, but yeah, yeah, other than that. Yeah. Do you really consider that exploring? I mean, maybe she does. <laughs> That's all okay. I'm going to say. But like, she, it's not like she like went out unless she like went to like a lesbian bar or yeah. she talked to other people and was besides being like her friends or whatever and her colleagues, by the way, her co- colleague, who talks to your colleagues? You, doesn't she have girlfriends? Who is this? Those are, I mean, those are her work friends. I don't know. Yeah. But why doesn't she have friend friends? Like, Cause that would mean that they'd have to like make up and more. They'd have made more characters. Yeah. But I didn't feel like she explored her sexuality, like the finding of her sexuality enough for me to be like, Oh, she just discovered that she was a lesbian and it blew her mind. I think it, she was just like, I really have a connection with, you know, loose. And that's all that matters to me. I don't need to think about it farther than that. Yeah. Well, like if she never thought about it farther than that, that kind of makes me worry though, that like when it came down to actually having sex, that that would be very awkward for her. But like, I don't know, like I, that's my only worry. Like, I think you can have like a very intense romantic attraction to somebody of, Mm -hmm. you know, the same gender or the opposite gender. And then it doesn't translate then to like a physical attraction. So I'm not sure. Like, does it have to? I mean, if you want a relationship that includes sex, it ideally would. <laughs> but yeah. But it doesn't. I mean, just so you know, I mean, there's an entire section of research on, in fact, more and more millennials are talking about this, how they have like these long-term relationships that have are not built on sex, have nothing to do with sex, and don't have to do with like deep commitment and love for each other. But a lot of those, a lot of those relationships are also non-monogamous too, though, I think. And like many of them are still monogamous. Well, that's true. I just don't think that's what you're supposed to get from this movie, that that's what's going to happen. No, but I, I did feel, I did, I did feel very much like, so she is a chick that, already was not having she settled on a dude who was like safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. who was her best friend Mm -hmm. and then i could see her easily transitioning and sex might not be super part of her life it may not that be that important to her i feel like it would be important to loose just like there's something about loose's character that makes me feel like she wants sex like because she really wanted to be on flowers and have sex on flowers. She she looked know. uncomfortable too no i I didn't feel like i felt lena haiti sold it i felt like she she sold kind of an attraction, like a, like a sexual energy in the movie. But like, I don't know, it might just be me, but I don't know. My, my impression was in a way, like, I I feel like Rachel was like maybe bisexual, latent bisexual, like, mm-hmm. or maybe actually like, like a lesbian, but she'd never considered it. But like, I think bisexual is more likely because I think she would have thought more about like women before then otherwise, or like had a recollection of it. That is true. She never like talked about. That's one of the things I think was missing. Or absolutely correct. Where it's not like she ever looked at somebody like ha- talking to her friends. I put that in quotation marks. And it's like in school, did you ever like? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Experiment. Yeah. yeah. So I just I get the feeling that like Rachel like met Heck pretty early on in her dating life. Was like, oh, he seems pretty good, and like we're together. And she never really spent a lot of time thinking about relationships after that. And then maybe she's discovering now that she's bisexual and that this other woman does something to her that heck never did. So that's the only way I could read it, I guess. But they have no chemistry together. So once again, <laughs> I don't really know yeah. if she wants if either of them. She wants doesn't to have, have sex chemistry. With each other. She, she doesn't have chemistry with heck either. And they've had sex like in the past. Like, so, so the end of they're sitting on a bench being comfortable and yeah. like cute, right? Yeah. They're not like 
passionately doing anything. It's not like they're walking and yeah, yeah. So once again, this is why I think that for me, it just doesn't, sell. it just doesn't yeah. sell as a passionate relationship. So yeah, I don't know exactly how we're supposed to interpret loose. I'm not sure if the director gave it a ton of thought either. Unfortunately, um, agree. Yeah, does it like change your perception of the story? Like if you can see no. sexuality in different ways or like. No, I felt like it didn't really because like it wasn't something I really thought about hard whilst I was in it. But by the time I reached the end of the movie, I was like, hmm, I wonder like how they would because, you know, you always think, how would they continue? Yeah. So do you think this that it would last? I think the narrative wants us to believe that it would last. Like, I just don't think it sold the story it was trying to tell. I think the narrative wants us to believe that they're going to be together forever and they're going to be happy. I don't think they I sold don't it. believe they're going to last. I, I think that they'll probably have like a deep connection, but they'll both go, they'll both go different route. Like they'll both go different yeah. ways. I think the narrative is trying to sell this idea that like, you're going to meet somebody and you're going to feel an instant connection. Like it's called click, remember? And like, then right. it's just going to be the thing. And like, because he based it also on his wife, the story of meeting his wife. So I'm pretty sure that the narrative wants us to think they're going to stay together. I think that like the reason we don't necessarily think that is because they didn't sell it in the film. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with that. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about related to this no, topic? No, I think that that did it. Okay. And I think we already we already kind of talked about, yeah, the end of the movie and everything. So why don't we do our double features? Is it a good time for that? Yeah, let's double feature. This is one of my favorite parts. Cause okay. I, I even, when I listen to, when I listen to the ones that I'm, I'm not on, I get great <laughs> ideas for movies to watch. Nice. Nice. So I guess like um, I want to do mine in batch if you don't mind, because they're like, um, okay, go for it. Yeah. They're kind of a batched group. So the first double feature recommendation I have is a movie from 1983 and it's a movie I've been intending to watch for many years. And so I'm glad that like doing this episode got me to finally watch it. It is called Liana. It is directed by written and directed by John sales. Who's one of my favorite directors. And it is about a woman, like obviously this is set in the eighties it's about a woman whose husband cheats on her and she's already had kind of like a crush on this professor at her school, this late woman professor. And after her husband has cheated on her already, she's hanging out with that professor one night and they end up kissing and, and then having sex. And Liana is realizing that like through this experience with this professor, she realizes that she has been more of a lesbian all along and the movie kind of follows her on this journey of like coming out to her husband that this happened. Her husband leaves her like right away, even though she's not necessarily saying she needs to leave him. He is like, because it's like the eighties and this is such a taboo. He is basically saying, I'm going to keep the kids. You're going to leave the house. And she has to go through this really difficult experience of like getting her own place. And like, and, and then also trying to navigate this relationship that she just began with this other woman and becoming and learning more about the lesbian community. And it's really well written, really well acted. Um, it's a much more realistic. I mean, at least in terms of the time period it was set in, it's a very realistic mm-hmm. depiction of like what that might have been like for a woman to come to this realization and have this type of relationship. I really recommend anything by John Sayles. Like sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes his movies are a little uneven, but like some of them are some of the best movies I've ever seen. Like Liana is definitely in that echelon of like really good movies. The production values are not great because it's one of his earliest films and he didn't have a ton of money to work with. But really, really sensitive and well done. John Sales is always one of these guys who's like, he writes women so well and he directs mm. them so well. Like, like not every guy can do it, but John Sales really does a fantastic job with female actors. 
So imagine this movie with John Sayles instead, (laughs) and you have a much more interesting film. I mean, it would be completely different. So (laughs) yeah, but I I have to, I have to agree. Um, I, I really loved, I like, I like a lot of John Sayles and Jennifer is the person who introduced me to him in college. Oh, nice. And I really like this film. So when I saw it on your list, I was like, oh, it's such a good film. I should rewatch it. I should get it from the library and rewatch it. It's been a long time. Um, Even when his films are uneven, I'll still say they're often incredibly good. The character development is yeah. always so f- and he hires a- amazing actors. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I love him. I'm so glad that I introduced somebody to John Sayles. Yay. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So, my second film that I recommend, I've recommended this on a previous episode for Chasing Amy, is Go Fish from 1994. And that's because it is a lesbian rom-com that is written and directed by women who are also lesbians. So, it just gives you like a- it just gives you a more accurate depiction of what women falling in love might be. Granted, it doesn't give you a story of what it's like when a woman marries a guy and then realizes she's in love with a woman. But I just think it's good to like promote these films where like women are telling their own stories. And it, again, it's an indie film. It has some lower production values, but I think there's, it has a lot of like really, you know, cool moments where you get more of an insider's view of a certain culture at a certain time. And there's some really good dialogue in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I think, and it's also very much, it's purely a rom-com and the people do have chemistry, which is always good. <laughs> oh, also there's actual, like, there's like more sexual content in <laughs> yes. this movie. Like imagine me and you, there's basically no real sexual Nothing. content. So yeah. And then yeah. my final recommendation, another movie where the main characters have a ton of chemistry is Alex Strangelove. So Alex Strangelove is a Netflix teen rom-com, but it's about a young guy who is realizing that he is into guys. Like he's in a relationship with a girl at his school. And they're also like this movie friends, but he gets this attraction to this other guy and he has to deal with thinking about his sexuality and figuring out what to do. And he and the guy in this movie, the two actors in this movie, they have such good chemistry. It's one of my favorite teen rom-coms. It's one of my favorite LGBT films. I just think it's so well done. And a lot of people haven't seen it. I think it's really good. So Alex Strangelove, twenty eighteen. Right on. I'm. I'm like. I like have never seen that. I just like pulled it up so I make sure I go watch it and add it to my queue. So I am going to recommend the first one I immediately thought of when I watched this again was a Portuguese film from twenty fourteen called The Way He Looks. Mm. Which, if anybody's listened to me, I have a special love for um, coming of age stories, and this is a coming of age story about a blind like a blind youth who realizes that he's gay because he becomes good friends with somebody who's, who's has vision and they kind of, it's like, how, how do they navigate? Like, do they, do they both feel this way? What is it like to like be reliant on somebody, but also still have like feelings and are your feelings more heightened because you are missing one of your senses? Hmm. I really, really enjoy it. And I tell people all the time that if you're looking for a beautiful coming of age story about kind of gay men, here you got one. Nice. Um, yeah. So my next film is Possession. We've talked about earlier in in uh, the show, and I I love Possession. It's a fantastic book as well. But the movie, even though it has Gwyneth Paltrow in it, she's not my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I I really love it, and Lena Headey is in it, and she is so good. She does not have the biggest role, but she is she steals the show in my opinion. Nice. 
And then my last one is a, is one called Boy Meets Girl. And it's also from 2014. And I actually just saw this recently. One oh. of my friends had recommended it. Uh, it's about trans, it's about a, a transgendered woman who kind of how she's navigating a small town, living in a small town in Kentucky and wanting to move to New York City. And her best friend is trying to kind of navigate as he's watched his friend become a woman. And he's had feeling, he kind of starts having feelings for her, but then another person comes into her life and it's a woman who comes into her life and they start having kind of an affair. And then this, the other person who, you know, the friend is like, where does that leave me? And also she has feelings for him as well, but are they just friendship or is it more, it's, it's a very deeply, moving film. I feel like Sophia has recommended this one on an episode of now streaming, but I may be wrong. She might've just recommended to me in like persons, but yeah. Yeah. It sounds yeah, interesting. It's, it's, yeah. It was recommended to me and I, and I really, really liked it. It was very emotional and so well acted. Well, we've got a good batch of films for people to check out now. So I hope you will go and check some of these out. And thanks again, Sybil. Like, I mean, I shouldn't, I don't, I feel weird thanking you because you're like, just you're, for me, you're just like a co-host. So, but like, <laughs> like, well, thank you. I'm always, I'm always happy to be a co-host when I'm available and we have a, a, a movie that we can both chat about good or bad. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it can be actually more fun sometimes to like say bad things about movies. I hate to say it, but it's- <laughs> it can be, it can be, it can be much more fun. And uh, coming up in the wedding series, some of the movies you can look forward to will be The Philadelphia Story, The Wedding Planner. Please let us know what other types of movies you'd like to hear us talk about in the future by emailing us at feedback at everyromcom.com. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, everyone. It's been fun.